Why lately I've been just ripping off Greeny because that was the old Greeny uh, bring in that for Mike and Mike. He always used to say that coming in from break. But yeah, for whatever, right. for whatever reason, that's been on the brain. Uh, we had me and Vito on the pod on Tuesday. We had a very fun podcast, went through all the games from last week in the NFL and how we got our asses whooped. And I was all joyful and optimistic about the Phillies and so excited for this World Series run. We were going to have two chances. And we'll get to that momentarily. But today, we did a little switcheroo. Vito is out, and our boy Scotty is back. And What's good? What's good? We're happy to have Scotty back. We were talking before we started recording. We we need a little vent corner, okay? We're going to have a little bit of a vent corner before we get into our picks and our preview for week seven, or is it week eight? In the NFL. Jesus, week eight in the NFL. Don't like that number. Almost at the halfway point, which is gross. Um, but we will do a little vent corner because we got some things to vent. But before we do that, I teased this on Tuesday's show. And I think we need some good vibes to start. And then we'll get negative, And then we'll get it all out of our system. And then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Bill Belichick style, on to Cincinnati. But we do need to at least get it out a little bit in front of a microphone. So, Scotty, it's great to see you. You too, bud. You're, you're great. You're back. You're feeling good. Went on a bachelor party last weekend um, in New Jersey. You, you stayed at the I was beach all house. over, really. Yeah. yeah stayed, uh, at, it was... stayed at my parents' house. Checked, saw the yeah, beach for house a, for the first time. A little bit, yeah. We what did go you, uh, what did you think? What did you think of the house? It was awesome. I, you know, so being there, uh, we get Kenny and I shout out Kenny. We got there at like six in the morning, seven in the morning ish. Um, and just kind of chilled. I had a half day of work and then, uh, your mom was gracious enough to make us food. Thanks Vic, uh, for the sausage. Um, and huh. man, I'll tell you what, it, it, it was, so, it was so cool. Like the house itself was beautiful, really well done. Excellent layout, uh, posted up in your room. Had the great view of the uh, out on the bay while I was working. Took a nap. <laughs> the rest of the day, and as Kenny and I were leaving, he was telling me about the beach, which is, um, since there's not a, a ton of parking, the beach is literally right there. You've described it before on the show. So it, to me, it seems it's awesome. Like the beach doesn't get that crowded. I always spend my, when we go down to the shore, I spend it in Wildwood, uh, which is packed. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I can imagine like like going to the beach there is, is pretty cool. Um, you got like a half, half mile walk all the way down. To get to the freaking beach and it's you're going on all these blocks oh, and, and blocks on yeah. blocks yeah yeah but it was gorgeous uh i can't imagine what it's like in the summertime when the weather's really nice and uh and you get the the sun's sunrise and sunset uh on both sides of of the house uh looking forward to going back if they'll have <laughs> oh well you open door policy for you scotty uh i think my mom sometimes loves you more than she loves me uh, based off of her texts and her stuff about the pod. Uh, my mom is our number one super fan. I'm sorry. I think legally I have to say that. Um, but it's also true. I don't. I do not think she's ever missed an episode. I think if she has missed an episode, it's because she was somewhere international and wasn't able to get to the uh, 
get, get, get the podcast downloaded, but she, uh, she catches up. She listens to everything. I know she was stoked to have you there. I'm, I was stoked to have you there. I always love showing that place to people because it's such a beautiful view um, on both sides of it. And you're right there. And yeah, like you said, you were posted up in, in my room, which is my dad's little office space as you guys were working. Um, but aside from getting a chance to see the house, I teased this earlier on Tuesday's pod that you have a story for the ages. You still haven't told me the story. So I'm going to be listening <laughs> to it in the same way that all of you listening right now are going to be listening to it. And I'm very excited to hear the story. So uh, it starts, you know, I feel like I got to do like scene directions here. Like we're doing a Broadway show, you know, like scene opens with Scotty in a foursome on a golf course. Get your minds out of the gutter. Or don't. <laughs> or don't. Because I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Beautiful Saturday, gorgeous weather, fall weather. It was Sunday. Golf. Sunday. The windy day. Weather, <laughs> blustery, windy Sunday fall day in Cape May, New Jersey. Cape May County, New Jersey. And action. Well, we ended up playing uh, Union League uh, National. Um, so uh, shout out to uh, to Joe, whose bachelor party was on. His cousin Jack, who's the club pro there. Got us on the uh, this pretty exclusive course up near Atlantic City, so uh, we're playing nine. Uh, I'm actually playing pretty well, um, and, and I wish we had played eighteen, but we just played the nine. Um, we get through to the the eighth, or we finish the seventh hole, and we happen upon this uh, this little shop. Like uh, it looks like an old flyer van, like a, a an old RV. That they where they sell like snacks and beer and all that kind of stuff. And one of the attendants was unloading it, trying to get rid of that beer for the season. We graciously took it because she was just <laughs> going to throw it away. So we happened upon an extra like twenty beers for the eight of us um, that were in the two foursomes. So we're sitting there drinking, and Joe, the bachelor, decides to switch groups from mine to the group ahead of him to play with some of his other cousins and one of his cousins, Brendan, uh, who. Shout out, Brendan. Love the guy. He's he was the veto of the trip. He he looks, sounds the whole deal like veto. Um, so I kind of took him under my wing a little bit there because he was the youngest one on the trip at 24. God, God um, bless him. Yeah. And so he rolls into our group, and it's me, your brother-in-law, Kenny, um, and uh and uh one of one of Joe's friends and his and his cousin uh were the other two playing with us. So I uh the, Joe's friend steps up, hits the ball. This is a, we step up to the AT box. It's a 225 yard par four uphill um, into the sun. So we couldn't see anything. Um, it was probably about a good 40, 50 feet uphill. Um, so a really tough shot, almost kind of a layup. Um, but Joe's friend hits, uh, Kenny hits, I hit. Um, and, and then Brendan looks at us and goes, how, how far is it? Uh, and we we're pulling up yards. We go. It's playing about two twenty five. Um, That's a short so par four. It is. So we all kind of laid up. Took less than driver. He was like, "Screw it!" And this is like his tenth time playing golf. He steps up to the box with driver. Okay. And so he's up in the tee box. Right before he get, he gets in the tee box, he sees Kenny hit. <laughs> Kenny hits short, and Brendan goes, hey. "Like it gives him an evil laugh a little bit." It's a little mocking, and I was like, "That's that's a bold thing to do for your tenth round of golf." But say, uh, spitting but, in spitting in the face of the golf gods, Can't get a, get after it, yeah, right. So it happened that the the four the other four in front of us, including the bachelor Joe, 
um, had stood up at the at the top of the hill instead of going to the next hole, had stood up at the top of the hill behind the green and watched all four of us hit. Um, and later we found out that Joe made that call like they were they were all just going to move on to the next hole and keep it rolling. But there was something Joe was like, I don't know. I think we should stay and watch him. And everybody decided to stay. So Brendan steps up to this tee box with driver. Hits a shot that sounded absolutely pure. And and it was going, and it was going. We saw it hit on the side of the hill next to the green. Now, mind you, Brendan is the youngest cousin of like 15 in Joe's family. So when I tell you when we saw the ball rolling on the green but didn't really see it, because again, it was uphill into the sun, we saw the other four dudes sprint down the hill celebrating. And we were like, no, they're just messing with him, right? Because he's the youngest. Like, they've been dogging him the whole trip. They're just they're just screwing with him, right? And we get in the car, and we see him hopping up and down on the green. And the closer we got to the, to the hole, we were like, yo, maybe this is real. And Kenny stopped short of, of the green because that's where my ball ended up. And I was like, screw that, dude. And I sprinted up to the, to the green. And here's Brendan picking his ball up out of the hole and everybody just going absolutely ape. He hit a 225 par four with the driver, albatrosses it. And we told him, he was like, so that's not an eagle. What is that? This is how little golf he's played, right? And we go, dude, that's an albatross. And he goes, I didn't even know that term. We were like, it was one of the most incredible moments because there were eight dudes on a bachelor party just going absolutely bananas. That this dude was a hole in one on the trip, with, especially with the win that day, it was unbelievable. I, I mean, how how? So, what was the yardage? Was the wind? Did you did you have the wind on your like coming helping you? Wind was going left to right, so it wasn't really helping unless you played into it and okay. let the ball drift that way. But the pin was kind of tucked up to the to the left side of that green, so that was. I mean, it was a really t- difficult shot. Um, if you're if you're measuring it by metric, but like he just stepped up and I hit it, and when he hit it, I was such, like, "That's such a short par four. Like I've played some par fours that are like two fifty, you know, two sixty that are at its shortest. The one that's that short is crazy short from from the tips. It was I think it was probably two seventy, yeah, um, two seventy five. But I mean, I've uh, played par threes. The par three at Bristow Manor. So shout out Bristow Manor that you and I play." Is like two twenty five, two twenty from yeah. fr- from where we play, which is which tip when you and I play, typically not the tips. That's insane, yeah. dude! It was nuts, man! It was nuts. Kenny caught it all on video, as because oh, I my god, I thought I I could have sworn that those guys were messing with him. All of us did. Me, Kenny, uh, shout Richie, all of those guys uh, that were in our group were like, "No, nah, they're messing with him, man." <laughs> And the funny you, which, is, you, which you would think, but like since you saw them running down, it's not even like they planted the ball in the hole because you no. you guys saw them run down and freak out. So it's like no, yeah. And what we learned later is that the uh, the club pro for that group or for that course was playing with us, um, which is one of Joe's cousins, and and he was in the group ahead of us that was standing up and watching. And I was told he was the the first person that was that kind of perked up like a meerkat looking at the shot and was like, Oh, this saw has a where chance. It hit. Yeah. And so, so when we learned that 
is when we should have known that like oh that's for real because like yeah if jack's doing that then maybe like yeah if you're if we, you're we a club more pro, like you're not gonna fuck around with that because you have the appreciation yeah. i mean anyone who plays enough golf has the appreciation for for that that's amazing that's it was amazing. incredible incredible never been a part of one i was close with you you when you got like within a foot yeah on a par I, three but this was different man with drivers from around, a par four <laughs> i'm oh, a par four i mean it's the it's the most rare thing in golf it is getting a hole in one on a par four albeit a very 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 short par four but hey if that's what they're, if they're calling it a par four they're doing it for a reason there's something in how that hole is designed to make it hard enough that it it, it plays like a par four but if he and, it, you know, again, like if, if he hits a hole in one on a par four, that is the rarest thing to happen in golf. It is damn near impossible. Yeah. To do it. Like the it odds was... of getting a hole in one on a, on a par four versus the odds of getting a hole in one on a par three are astronomically higher. Yeah. And this is this dude's like 10th time playing golf. Yeah. Which is oh. annoying, but we are still like, it, that's incredible. Um, the funny thing was, we were sitting around in the house before we had gone and uh, and his fiance had called him and and said, uh, I hope you hit a hole in one. And he gets off the phone and tells us this. And me and Kenny were like, dude, it, you you have a better shot of scoring a touchdown today in an NFL game. Um, and so we were joking about it uh, in the house before. And he hits that. and We were like, no, that's unbelievable. Freaking way. It was incredible to be a part of. It really was that's crazy. Yeah, you you were with me when I the closest I've ever been, which I will say, like the trade off of that day was that. And, you know, I, I still remember this, that shot exactly what it was ever. Anytime I play at that course, I, I know exactly what happened. It was like 114. <laughs> yeah, it was it, we were playing. It was, it was a downhill par three. I was like we were like 120 yards out, but it was playing downhill downwind. And I used a sand wedge, which is usually like a 110 club for me. And I pured it. And I thought it was short. I remember saying it's short. And you said, no, it's not. And it landed right behind the hole and spun back to about even with the cup. And it was just about six inches to the right. And it yeah. was the closest I've ever been to a hole in one. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I, you it, just it, got that juju, man. I mean, a lot well, of my I'd like to a lot of my best <laughs> rounds I've played with you. So my <laughs> man. God. Yeah, no, it was it was so much fun, man. And it was that's incredible for, for an for incredible guys, bachelor man. party. It was it was the highlight of the trip. So I mean, I'm sure we'll be talking about it at the wedding in December. The only uh, way it could have sure. been the only way it could have been better is if it was Joe, if it was the groom. That's the only way that oh, could yeah. been better is yeah, if, yeah. It, if Joe found a way to knock one in. Damn, that's amazing. That's amazing. All right. Well, we got the good news out of the way. Let's focus on the bad news here. Um, oh, God. I'll go first because I'm going to keep it short yeah. and sweet. Yeah. All right. Sorry, bud. I. <sighs> that sucks so much. I finally felt like I was over it. And then right as I was about to talk there, I got hit with the same shitty feeling. Um, look, I, I'm not the diehard baseball guy anymore who watches every single game throughout the season. I can't watch the games down here. There's a way I can do it through like the MLB network. If you have T-Mobile, there's a whole thing you can do. But I I can't watch the games super regularly. I always keep track of the scores. I'm always keeping track of what the Phillies are doing. I said this to you on Tuesday night. 
and I was saying this at, at the bar I work at at the pint with some other Philly fans that were there. It was the biggest choke job in Philly sports history. And to me, I genuinely, I genuinely even have thought having thought on it the last couple of days, I feel like it that is true. The only one that I think might be in the conversation, um, but had a lot more to do with the dysfunction of the Sixers at the time was the Atlanta series. Blowing yeah. that Atlanta series was was absolutely brutal. And there was no reason the Sixers shouldn't have gone to the Eastern Conference Finals. But this reminds me very much of that that same feeling. I think this is worse because the bank has had had been this like mythical place. Like we even talked about it last week when you and Vito were on with me. And like we we were going through like it was this mythical place that the Phillies just didn't lose. And the bats got yeah. hot and everything was working well. And and Nola was probably the last time we'll see Aaron Nola in a Phillies uniform. I'm okay with that, to be honest. Like when he's on, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. When he's off, he's one of the worst. And then his stats bear that out because his stats are always down the middle. He was incredible for the first two outings in this postseason, right? And he struggled a little bit uh, in game two against the dot and against the Diamondbacks, but ultimately like still balled out. And then we get a chance to close this game up. He gives up back-to-back home runs in game six. And then they keep him in. They keep him in for too long. He ends up giving up four runs, and just nothing comes in, right? But Aaron Nola, the pitching staff even, isn't the problem. Like, Ranger Suarez, this dude came out of fucking nowhere, balled out in the World Series last year, balled out in the playoff run last year, balled out this year, like, showed up in the biggest moments. Like, I, I'm a big Ranger Suarez fan. I I, I do. Like, I, I can't fault any of the pitching. The only pitching you can fault is fucking Craig Kimbrell. Ke- Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, because that dude choked, choked away games that should have been easy, easy games for the Phillies to close out. And and we would have been already, you know, we'd be getting ready for game one of the World Series right now. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'm with you because that the first game that we watched was on that Thursday night and he let that go with terrible pitching. The next game Friday night was the one that was completely unacceptable. We were in Atlantic City and we were kind of watching at the bar at the casino and you guys went up 5-2, and I was like, okay, I'm walking away. I'm going to gamble because I thought it was in the bag. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you close out that game, the Phillies win that series. I don't think the yeah. Phillies – I don't think you're up 3-1 in Arizona with game five in Arizona. The Phillies do what they need to do and hold on to a win and, and, and win in games five. And then you get two shots at the bank. Two shots at the bank, man, with Aaron Nola and Ranger Suarez on the bump. And ultimately what this team showed – and this is the problem. And and I, I sent this to my parents and stuff and like my family group chat during the game. And my mom, who is a diehard Philly, Phillies fan, she watches every, my parents love to just put on baseball in the background in the summer. And they watch games like almost every single night when the Phillies are playing. I love that about my parents. The one thing doing that, though, is that like you get very, very heavily invested in the team. Right. And so it's hard when you get to this point in the season to like separate the the team from like what we're seeing as the results in that moment. And ultimately in this playoff run on the national stage, this team is young. They they're cocky. They swing for fucking, they try to mash taters all every single at bat. 
And we love that, right? Because when it's working, like it did in the Brave series, like it did in the NLDS, the NLCS last year, it's fucking awesome. We love it, right? We love seeing them singing, dancing on my own and in the overalls and chugging beers and pouring beers on each other and being crazy kids. Like they have that really likable energy. But I think what makes this so much more frustrating is that when they're losing games and every single person on the team is trying to be the hero, every single person is trying to come up, smash a home run to tie up a game or to get them back in it. Like one of the things I really liked about this team and we saw it in the Miami series and in the Braves series is like it wasn't only home runs. Like don't get me wrong, the home runs lifted them over the top. That's what got the bank rocking. But they can move the line pretty good. It was the yeah, it was that it was the the way they run the bases. It was the aggressiveness. It was timely hitting. But as soon as they start like in the in game six, they're down three nothing in their first at bat because Nola shit his pants. Right. Every single person on that team was pressing. And anyone who's ever played baseball at any sort of highly competitive level has been there. Right. You're in a tight game. You're down three. Now you feel like, all right, we got to get it up. What's the number one thing you always hear about with the leads in baseball? You're not getting it back in one swing. Mm-hmm. All right. So don't try to. You got to chip away inning after inning at bat after at bat. You got to fight. And this team, Castellanos, Harper, and and Turner, 0 for 23 in game six and game seven. I mean, that's a combined, that's almost a high. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's like $75 million. Those guys combined got paid this year. Right. In totality, it's almost a billion dollars in terms of how much money their contracts are worth. Yeah. And those well, guys Trey disappeared. <laughs> I mean, not only that, Trey had four errors in the postseason. He's supposed to be one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. Like, and this is the same guy that needed the Philly fans to give him a standing ovation in the middle of the season to make him feel better, to protect his feelings. You know, just an absolute crumbling by this team. And I know Bryce and, and Trey was almost hit one out in game six to respond. That would have been a two run home run. That would have, that would have gotten it within one Bryce nearly missed three home runs in game six and game seven, that he was just a little bit off with the bat. And that's kind of what you have to live with when you deal with guys who go up and, and send fucking G hacks over and over and over again. But in terms of like legitimate, just like devastating losses. And, and I give a ton of credit by the way, to like, Castellanos' post-game interview after Game 7 was really, really impressive. He got asked a ton of hard questions. He was very honest. You know, after he hit, he went off of those five home runs in, in three games in, in the last two games of the Brave Series and Game 1 against the uh, – uh, Game 1 against the, the Dimebacks where he went, went yard, he went 0 for 21 the rest of the series. Like, I'm sorry, that just can't happen. Yeah. And he owned it. And he talked about it. it's frustrating. You go and he said it started when they went to Arizona, and all of a sudden he just didn't feel like he could see the ball anymore. And he was up in crucial situations. In game six alone, there were five runners in scoring position with less than two outs. One scored. Like you just yeah. you can't, can't do you that. Can't have in, that. You can't do that in big games because you know Schwarber hit a double, Marsh hit a double, Stott had a big hit right to get their second run. Like you're getting production from the bottom of the lineup that you're not expecting. You know, we're not expecting Rojas to go out and, and make a big hit. He's in the lineup, obviously, for defensive reasons. But I was arguing with one of the guys at the bar. And I was like, in 2008, why did the who played third base for the Phillies in 2008? It was Pedro Feliz. 
this is super deep cut Philly stuff for people who are listening. Pedro Feliz giant. Could, yeah. <laughs> couldn't couldn't hit shit, but was an un- happy. <laughs> unbelievably good defensive shortstop. And the one thing, and I think it was in the World Series, it was either in the World Series or it was in the NLCS against the Dodgers. Pedro Feliz with like bases loaded, two outs, hit a ground ball that found a hole and just found its way through. And they needed that from Rojas. They needed somebody at the bottom of the lineup to just squeak something through when they needed somebody to come up and they weren't able to do it. And it's unbelievably disappointing. I feel bad for Zach Wheeler, who's now pitched two of the best. Like he he's already become basically like surpassed Cole Hamels, surpassed Roy Holiday as like the best Phillies postseason pitcher that we've ever had. And he's got no rings and only one World Series appearance to show for it. And you just can't do that, man. You just can't fucking do that. And yeah. I, it just sucks. And it's, the, again, the cocky, young kid, fun energy. Oh, we're hitting dingers. All that stuff is super fun. Playoff baseball, like, you, you have to be able to hit home runs and pitch well. But you also have to get lucky, and you also have to get those those timely hits from guys you don't expect them from yeah. in order to win. And and the, the Diamondbacks just did. there. So the Diamondbacks yeah, exactly. did. Exactly. To mean, their all credit, credit and all credit in the fucking sure. world to the Diamondbacks. I hate them for sure right now, but credit to them, man, because they every single game when they had to come back and chase runs like they had to do in Game Seven, like they had to do in Game uh, Three or Game Four, one at bat at a time, chip yep. away, little and, bit, and- little bit, little bit. And my my mom said this too to me uh, after the game. She lives in in Scottsdale, so she's been following them all uh, the whole way through with the Giants being out. But she said this reminded her, and I I tend to agree. It was a great take. It reminded her of 2010 when the Phillies had a stacked team and the Giants with a bunch of nobodies that rallied around a, a core group of a, a couple of veterans came into to the bank and did the same thing uh, that the Diamondbacks did to uh, to uh, to the Phillies there. So. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it, it it's tough, man. But that's that's some of, and I, yeah, I know it sucks. You're on the losing end; it's a gut punch. But it's what we talked about at the front end of the playoffs when we when we addressed this the other week. That like, that's the the beauty of postseason baseball. And it's it again sucks that you're on the the losing end of it, or when and when you are on the losing end of it. But that's the beauty of postseason baseball. Yeah, I mean, the the Diamondbacks are the second team in MLB history to make the World Series with a negative point differential during the regular season. That's great. I mean, pesky, or ne- negative negative run differential. I mean, they they just are, and like they lost to a dude named Fart. Like that's just gonna piss me off fart. forever. <laughs> no, Fart. His name's Fart. Fuck him. He's a big ass fucking Fart. But he li- But I mean. It just sucks. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. And like Alec Bohm, who was terrible this entire fucking series, hits a home run to tie it up in the first, right? I mean, solo home run. Love that. Love that out of Bomer. And a walk. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and but again, that's the only time he showed up the entire series. It was just the timely hitting completely evaporated as soon as and honestly, the turning point was game four. Friday night. You lose that game in game four, and all of a sudden now the, the D backs have life. You had a chance there up five to two to put, put that series in. to put that yeah. yeah, put that dagger in. Make them win three straight. If they're gonna beat you three straight, I'm gonna be more pissed as a fan, but I tip my hat even more. Right. Yeah. This this to me is as bad of a loss 
and and I think one of the biggest choke jobs. Because like, and someone said to me, it was like, well, what about the Super Bowl last year? That's fucking Patrick Mahomes, dude. Like, yeah, no lead is safe with Patrick Mahomes. He literally needed 13 seconds to go down and tie game to send his team to the, and to an, the Super and Bowl. One extra possession. Like, that yeah, wasn't a choke all, job at that's all. all. No, it's, I mean, again, if if Jalen Hurts doesn't have the fumble, that the fumble six, the Eagles do probably win that game. But I still wouldn't have felt comfortable with a 20-point lead against the fucking Chiefs because it's no. Patrick Mahomes. You're going against arguably the best person to ever do it. And yeah, I'm with you. You know, this is you're playing a team with a negative run differential with a rookie as their best hitter. And you can't find a way to beat that team. Unacceptable. But it was a fun run. It sucks. Oh, Alexa's chiming in right now. Alexa, shut up. Um, I was, that's, I think that's the first time that's ever happened on the pod. Actually. Um, it was a fun run. It was, it was a fun run. Yeah. This team is a fun team to watch But when they're, but when they're losing the whole likability and the young kid things makes them significant. It makes the whole process of them losing that much more frustrating because then immediately I go into like 45 year old suburban dad about like small ball and bunting and getting runners in scoring position and fundamentals and like right you know but then when they're when they're smashing taters and you're like yeah kyle schwarber swing away every single fucking time bryce harper swing away but that's why they went out and got trey turner to be the guy who comes up with clutch hits who's not going to try to swing for the fences every single time and his strikeout in the seventh inning was one of the worst strikeouts i've ever seen and i mean he's going yeah he's swinging two balls in the dirt after two straight walks <laughs> yeah I, it's just it was terrible it was fucking terrible you just can't you can't do that in those situations and i love trey i think trey is gonna have a very up and down experience in philly and hopefully next postseason it comes in a moment but it, we know in sports you never know when those moments are coming back so mm-hmm. all right i'm done talking about baseball baseball season's over it's football season that's all that matters Baseball's well, stupid. For you, maybe. <laughs> um, we talked to Vito at length about the Penn State Ohio State game. So we I won't make you go into that. But we do have to talk about Monday Night Football. Yeah. Um, Monday Night Football, the Vikings topped the San Francisco 49ers, surprisingly, very surprisingly. Um, now Brock Purdy in concussion protocol. He is out for this week. We will see our first taste of Sam Darnold, which what did I say when they signed Sam Darnold? He was going to win meaningful games for this did, 49ers yeah. team. We got a little Nick Foles against the Bengals. It'd be a good start. A little bit here. It's going to be a tough. It's a tough game to start with against a good defense. But also that 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 Bengals offense has not been what we've seen from the past. So this is going to be a really interesting game to see how it kind of unfolds. I think it's one of the most interesting games of the of the uh, of the year, and we're going to see it on. Uh, is it Sunday night? No, it's uh, 425, so Jim Nance and, and the guys will be there, I think. Yeah. Um, but either way. Oh, just that... kidding. That's a Chiefs game. Never mind. <laughs> They'll be with the Chiefs. <laughs> uh, yes, Chiefs and Ravens and Cardinals. Um, Bears and Chargers are on Sunday night, and then Raiders and Lions are on Monday night. Boy, we've had um, a slew of really bad primetime games. Well, last week's was fun for some people on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the Midwest, maybe. But um, look, I mean, it was a weird game. I didn't think Brock Purdy played that poorly. 
but he he definitely struggled at the end there. That last interception was a fucking dagger. Um, we now know that he was concussed during that game, which I don't know if that makes anybody feel better. That like, why was he still playing in that game? Um, but I don't know. How are you feeling right now, Scotty? Not great. Football's over. Next. All right. Um, no. <laughs> Look, man, I don't understand how, and this is similar to what Penn State has done uh, in, in previous years, but I don't understand how the Niners can go into two games against teams that they should handily beat. I, I, you can make up all the excuses in the world. I get how good Cleveland's defense is. Uh, I get that Kirk Cousins can do that what he did to the Niners on any given night. But that's usually only happened with Justin Jefferson. Now we've seen the the resurgence of uh, or the the birth really of uh, of Jordan Addison as a, as an NFL talent. I, I don't get how you can play two games against teams who you know you should beat and go in there and play down to their level. The Niners have forgotten how to tackle over the last two weeks. The Niners have forgotten how to get the ball to their receivers who aren't named Debo Samuel in the past two weeks. I don't get. Save for that last drive against Cleveland uh, two weeks ago. I don't get what is happening when, and it's, you know, if you want to draw parallels, we just talked about a team who was stacked and it's great. Like it's fun when they're, when they're doing well and having fun and doing what we know they're capable of and what they're paid to do um, and paid really highly to do because all of that talent is, is at that level. And then all of a sudden, just absolutely choke against teams that are, are mid-tier uh, at best. Uh, so I don't know. It, 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 there's a lot that needs to go back to the drawing board on, on in all phases of the game because if Fred Warner and 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 Dre Greenlaw and, and the DBs all of a sudden can't tackle guys in open space, we're going to have a problem. All of a sudden, Minnesota has a running game against the second-best rushing defense in, in the NFL, and and we just make teams look good and play down to their level the last two weeks. I don't get it. Uh, I really don't. And, you know, to for the, for how much that defensive line is getting paid, to not get a sack against Minnesota's offensive line, against Kirk Cousins, is is abhorrent. Yeah. I, absolutely unacceptable. So, I mean, I, I, Christian Darisau is really fucking good. Great. And, and, and he, and like, look, I, Nick Bosa's a stud. He's had a down year. Like his his numbers, pass rushing, sack number. I'm mean, sack is always an empty stat, and that's like Bill Belichick's always said how much he hates the the sack statistic. Um, but even like his win rate numbers are down. Like everything's just down a little bit right now for them. And and I don't think I, I'll say this. I, ultimately, I really do think a lot of this comes from kind of my because the defense didn't play terribly. Like the 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 Addison touchdown was a sick play by a really good young player and ripped the ball out the, of you mean the one at the Tredavious Ward right yeah, yeah. Tredavious Ward's hands like Traverius, that's just yeah yeah Traverius. that's just a really really good fucking play and sometimes you're gonna be in the opposite end of that but that's also what it's like playing in the NFL like when you're in the NFL and you're playing really really good teams like this is going to be the outcome sometimes you're just going to have weird games, but I think more than that. And you, you might not like this part of it, Scotty. I think we're starting to see the limitations of Brock Purdy start to kind of present themselves. Right. Like I, I think Brock Purdy has been awesome. 
and and I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I'm not trying to say he's not like it's a completely undeserved the, the credit that he's gotten. He's a really, really good player. But what makes what takes them from being like a team like Minnesota or a team with a solid defense and a mediocre offense like New Orleans, right? Is the skill possessions surrounding a guy like Brock Purdy. You know, if you put, if you switch Derek Carr and Brock Purdy right now, you're probably getting the same results on both sides, right? I, I don't think it's a ton difference. Brock Purdy has shown that, like, he can play pretty well. The, the Cleveland game, right? Like, he played his ass off. He got them, I mean, he played terribly for the majority of the game, but that final drive, he got them into position to go out and, and make a big, you know, get them in position to kick the field goal. Jake Moody misses the kick, you know? Like, that's not on Brock Purdy. This loss... Right. That interception at the end of the game, that is on Brock Purdy. You should be able to outscore Minnesota if they score 22 points, you know. But without Debo Samuel, with Christian McCaffrey being banged up, with an offensive line that I think has overperformed what we've thought to this, like going into this season. Like Trent Williams, we know, is incredible. I think the other parts of that offensive line and some of the stuff they're doing schematically to protect Brock Purdy, I think teams have started to figure out. So teams are yeah. able to start sending blitzes, make him uncomfortable. And we're starting to see the the limitations of a dude in Brock Purdy. That's not to say that they're not going to be there in the end, because I think they absolutely will. This defense is still really, really good. Even great defenses have bad games. They have games where they lapse, right? I mean, the Eagles gave up, what, 30-something points to the commanders like three weeks ago, right? And then they go up against the number one offense in football, and they hold them to 10 points and have a historical showing against Mike McDaniel and Tua compared to what Boy, were you wrong together. about that, by the way? Oh yeah. But that's no, a win-win me. for I, you. <laughs> tr- well, trust, trust me. I, I took all ownership of that. Uh, I took, I took it all and, and, and still do. You should and talk I'm, about him like that every week. Maybe, maybe that's the key during the games. That is how I talk about, <laughs> but I think we're just starting to see some of the limitations of you can build an incredible roster but if you have a, a solid quarterback, there's just going to be some games where he's not going to be able to elevate the people around him, especially if those people are banged up. And I'm glad that this is happening now for two reasons. One, because they got off to the hot start, 5-0. and Everybody was saying, they're world beaters. This is the team you have to beat in the NFL right now, which I thought was a little misguided because I hate that kind of rhetoric a third of the way through the season. But anyway, I'm glad it's happening now because – usually we've seen a trend with teams where they get off to a really hot start. They have sort of this weird lull in the middle where they're trying to figure themselves out. And then by the end of the year and through the playoffs, they're, they're what we thought they were at the beginning. That's yeah. a, a, that tends to happen in the NFL. It's just a fact, right? So I'm glad that's happening now for the 49ers uh, and not later. The second is I'm glad it's happening for Brock Purdy now, because now we're learning six games in instead of in week 15, 16, 17, 18, that like, oh shit, maybe we need to pump the brakes on what we think of this and sort of adjust uh, adjust what we're doing on offense to fit. And now there's time to to work that in. Yeah. I, and I think ultimately too, like the things we said coming into the season, right? Like what were, there were like three things I was concerned about with San Francisco coming into the season, which was what does Brock Purdy look like when he's faced, when he faces adversity so far, I was impressed with the final drive against Cleveland, although he played really poorly throughout that entire game. I was not impressed with how he played on Monday night. And I thought he played very poorly in that game, particularly in the the biggest moments that they needed him to. 
but it's okay. Everyone's going to have down games. And to this point in his career, he had been perfect. So like, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. The second question was the offensive line, right? Trent Williams, we know is amazing. How did the rest of them look through the first five games of the season? They looked incredible. Last two games, eh, not so much, right? Not bad, but not like top 10 offensive line in football. The third one, and this is by far the most important one, is that for all of the great skill guys that San Francisco has and all the guys that help make the engine be what it is to help elevate Brock Purdy as opposed to the other way around, where you have Mahomes out there elevating, you know, McCole Hardman into a guy who's going to go, who went out and signed a big free agency deal with the Jets and, and is taking these nobodies and turning them into solid NFL players. It's the other way around where these skill position guys have to elevate and help Brock Purdy turn into statistically one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. The biggest problem with that, though, is that those guys on San Francisco, all of them have significant and continual injury history. McCaffrey, well-documented injury history. Eli Mitchell, documented continuous injury history. Kittle, Tons of injury history. He's only good for really 10 to 12 games a season. Debo, tons of injury history. And Ayuk, who's the least injured of all those guys who has played in all these games, also got banged up earlier this year and has less of a track record of getting hurt, but still has a track record of dealing with injuries. And the whole injury-prone thing is always a weird gamble. It's always kind of weird to say somebody's injury-prone. Sometimes it's just bad luck. Sometimes somebody is injury-prone because they're not training the right way. We're at a point now where it's like if the Niners can't stay healthy and everyone and myself included have talked about this gauntlet that the Eagles are about to go on, check out the next six games for for San Francisco. Cincinnati at Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Philly, Seattle. Yeah. And then and then they have Baltimore in week uh, week 16. 16, So like they they don't have a cakewalk getting through. Right. And they need their guys to be healthy and they're going to ask. Sam Darnold to win at least one of these games. I still think San Francisco is going to be one of the top teams still very well could be because that schedule is not as hard as the Philly schedule. And if they can steal that game against Philly, then that's, that's a huge advantage for them. Yeah. Uh, And we know they're going to come out with their hair on fire, but they need to pull Sam Darnold needs to pull a little Nick Foles magic here and win some games for them. And they need guys to get healthy. Yeah, we also need to learn how to win on the road because it's clear through uh, two out of three road games that we've played uh, that something just doesn't click on the road um, unless you're getting the big play, and we're not. Um, So that one seed is even more important, right? Because a lot of these games you just talked about, the tough games are going to be on the road. Jacksonville's on the road. Uh, uh, We got Baltimore coming in, but Philly's on the road. Uh, so it's going to be tough sledding through the the regular season, like you said, and we got to figure it out on the road. Yeah, I mean they have home games against Cincy this week in Tampa Bay, and then back. Oh, they have. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Uh, thank you. Uh, but they have road games against Jacksonville, Seattle, and Philly. <laughs> Fall allergies have been kicking my butt. My apologies, but yeah, I mean that's kind of where we're at right now, and. Again, I think San Francisco has all the talent in the world to be able to do that. But this win, if they can snag this win this week with Sam Darnold, that's huge. San Fran's not done. 
but they need this. They need to pull this win off. Losing three in a row after starting off five and zero, oh, that hurts them because now they're going to be two games back of Philly. Philly has this tough gauntlet, but what you don't want to do as a San Francisco team is you don't want to allow Philly to get any sort of lead during this stretch, right? If you're dropping games when Philly's going through their really tough stretch then you're only hurting yourself because this is the moment where you can catch up and solidify that one seed and make everything go through San Francisco. And right now we don't know what's going to happen. So, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we have picks week eight in the NFL. We will go through each game picks against the spread bad week last week, but we're putting that away. We're focusing on week eight. We're going to get back on track and I'm so excited to pick games. Hang around, be bright around on the other side. All righty. Coming in in three, two, one. All right, week eight in the NFL. I don't like saying that. Week nine in college, too. We are, uh, before we know it, the regular season's already going to be halfway over, and then it's going to be, we're talking about playoffs. We also have the uh, trade deadline coming up on Tuesday, Halloween. Uh, the Eagles have already made a huge pickup. That news broke live as Vito and I were recording on Tuesday. You heard my reaction. Kevin Byard, unbelievable move for the Eagles. Apparently, they are not done yet either, according to some people uh, familiar with Howie and what the Eagles are doing. So we'll see if anything major goes on. Seems like Tennessee's in a bit of a fire sale. Uh, apparently, defensive players for the Broncos are also in a bit of a fire sale. Crazy enough. Oh, we already got one. <clears throat> what? Oh, well, Randy Gregory, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but that defense is looking to uh, potentially make some moves. So the commanders, maybe Chase Young, you never know. There's some guys who could be out there to be had. But it seems like right now the Titans shopping uh, Derrick Henry, uh, amongst others. Uh, we'll see if anything comes of that. But it should be interesting to follow. Obviously, anything that breaks between now and Tuesday and next week, we will go over and we'll get everybody filled in. Uh, Thursday Night Football. Bucks at Bills. Bills are a nine and a half point favorites at home. The Bills offense has looked really bad. It's looked really bad. I've gone yeah. with the Bills against the spread the last two weeks, and that has not panned out well. Do I continue the trend and pick the Bills minus nine and a half here against the Bucks team? Baker Mayfield, injuries on that offensive line. Weird Thursday night game. Everything's telling me to pick the Bucks, right? Don't keep picking the Bills, you fucking idiot. Don't keep doing that. That's dumb. Why would you do that? The Bills' offense is completely, you know, in, in shambles, short, week. Are they going to be able to do it? I have no idea. I really don't. But what I do know is that I believe in Josh Allen. And I think this defense is, is pretty, pretty good. Even with the injuries that they've had, I still think that they can hang despite the fact that they made Mac Jones look good. Everything in my bones tells me I should pick the Bucs. So I'm going to. I'm going to take the Bucs plus nine and a half. I tried to, I tried to make it more drama. I look, I think this Bills team, I, I want to root for them. I want to see, you know, Josh Allen kind of get it together. I know Stephon Diggs is still putting up big numbers, but the defense has too many holes, too many injuries. The offensive line has been decent, but again, they're banged up with injuries. The Bucs defensive line is legit. They made the Eagles sweat a little bit in that Monday night game earlier this year. 
I don't know if it's going to be. I mean, this number, do, do you agree? This number seems very high because the Bucs have been a competitive football team this year. Yeah. And the Bills over the last three weeks have not looked like a super competitive football team. I think it's the Bucs. I, 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 I think plus nine and a half is, is too many points to lay. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. But I wanted I to. I wanted to take Buffalo. I agree the number is high. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I don't know if I have gambling on the brain because it's football season or because I was just in Atlantic City and won money or what, but. Sometimes when you're playing roulette and a number goes cold that you've been you've been trying to play, it's been hot at uh, in previous um, in previous iterations. You um, you start to to sort of like put it in the back of your brain and be like, oh, it's going to come back, it's going to come back. And sure enough, um, you put enough on on twenty nine black and it hits, and and now you're back in business. The Bills are my 29 black because nine and a half, while it's a big number this season, I mean, the expectations are through the roof for this team anyway, but you put all of that aside in the, in the 30,000 foot view, what they've done over the past three weeks is like meh, right? And this team is not meh, even with all the, the banged up uh, defense that they have, even with Josh Allen not playing his best, this team is a good team and at some point it has to turn it around. And I think when they do turn it around, it's going to be one of those like, oh, screw you, we're going to punch you in the mouth type of games. And this is a perfect opportunity against the defense who's banged up. Vita Vea is questionable still. Um, the Bucks, Chris Kicker, Mayfield's banged the offense, a, a Bills team, that type of game. Um, and, and so I'm going to take the Bills in this one. It's sort of a risky move, risky play. The, the numbers tell you the Bucs uh, should be the play here, but I'm going to take the Bills 9.5 because I trust what uh, what, what they, that team in that town can do. I think when everything's clicking, like I do think the Bills are one of the best teams in football. I don't think they're even close to that team right now. I, I just I think the, I think the Bills win this game. But I think the Bucs are so tough defensively. I don't know what the over-under is for this. I could pull it up real quick. But this, to me, is a, a very low-score game. Right now, it's at 43.5. I love that under. As a side bet, I might take that as one of my locks of the as, as a, a side lock of the week because I think under 43.5 here. I, I just This Bills offense has become so one-dimensional. And I thought that, like what you said, that explosive puncher-in-the-mouth-to-get-out-of-it kind of game, I thought that's what we were going to see last week but they couldn't get up for a divisional rival. I don't know what they're going to do on a short week here. I have a hard time feeling like they're going to fix all of their problems. <laughs> yeah. I have a hard time believing <laughs> they're going to fix all of their problems in three days. So I want to take the bills, but I'm going to take the bucks. Uh, Rams at Cowboys. Cowboys coming off of a buy here. The Rams coming off of a disappointing loss to the Steelers. Cowboys are six point favorites. I love the Rams in this game. I think the Rams are a much better team than what we've seen so far. I will say, I, I will say this: like Cowboys coming off of a bye week, two weeks, they're a little bit healthier. I think they get Zach Martin back this week. Uh, I'm not sure if Van Der Esch is back in this game or not. Um, so that is something to to consider. But I I love them at six points. I think yeah, right now it's just Trayvon Diggs is really the only name on the injury reports. Other than that, you're getting a fully healthy Cowboys team. The only thing that's holding me back is that this kind of feels like it could be a game where the Cowboys look fucking incredible and they win by like 
22 points or something and they get a defensive touchdown somewhere and like all of a sudden we're like see the cowboys are back because that's what the cowboys do it's this up and down roller coaster where it's like oh they've looked shitty for the last couple of years for the get the bye week they're going to come out of the bye and smoke everybody i'm still a little hesitant to, to say that I, I think this is going to be a pretty close game um and the thing is too is without i mean noticeably like trayvon Diggs being out has very much affected this defense and I think people, what people have realized is that you can run on this defense. Uh, Kyron Williams. Uh, is Kyron Williams out in this game? He is, right? Because he's on IR. So... Yeah. Yeah. So, they, but at the same time, I think the Rams looked like a different team without Kyron Williams as well. Um, I really love the idea of taking the Rams in this game. But even just kind of talking through it, I feel like I kind of talked myself into taking the Cowboys minus six. So I'm going to stay. I'm going to take the favor. I'm going to take the Cowboys. I think it's more likely that this is a a fuck you. Oh, my God. On Monday morning, first take is talking about this massive blowout that the Cowboys had over the Rams. And everyone's going to buy right back into the Cowboys. I still don't think the Cowboys are that good of a team. But I think people are going to buy themselves back in because this is going to be a big day. So I'm going to take the Cowboys minus six. That does seem like what the script would want you to think, right? Um, 100%. And uh, I'm a big fan of the script this year, so I'm going to take the Cowboys opponent, the Rams, uh, to demolish that uh, that notion. Um, like I think the the unless the, the Cowboys score on defense, they, they haven't proven anything to me, um, even, even as well as, as decently as that offense played against um, against the Chargers. Um, I think this is a game where the the Rams offense can sort of cook a little bit uh, with Trayvon Diggs out. They're getting healthier, but we saw what the Niners did against the, the Cowboys. They just stuck it to them on offense. And now uh, I, I think the Rams have two really solid weapons and and uh, and uh, Henderson, who's going to be running, running the ball for them, is just as serviceable as, as Kyron Williams has been. So that offensive mm. line holds up for the Rams um, and – as it has all season and, and the Puka and, and Cooper cup. Now, which for, which, which one are we going to get? Right. Is it going to be the high volume for Cooper um, or high volume for Puka? Um, I think this is a game where you can get both involved again. Like it was the first yeah. week that Cooper cup was back. And so I think the, uh, the Rams are going to uh, cover the six points here. Well, and Cowboys fans are trying to tell you that Stefan Gilmore is like back to the guy who won defensive player of the year. And that's just not the case. He, he was really good last year in Carolina, but he wasn't incredible. And he's been a solid number two corner for, for the Cowboys this year, but he hasn't been like defensive player. He's not even close to that guy. And now without digs, I feel like teams have been able to kind of pick on that secondary a little bit, as well as feeling like, all right, if we can throw the ball, that means they can't blitz as much. That means that we're going to be able to run the ball more effectively. I still think this is going to be one of those dumb games. Where the Cowboys win by like 10. And everyone's going to come back and be like, oh, the Cowboys, are they actually the favorites of the NFC? And it's going to lead all the talk shows again for another yeah, week right. until they have an embarrassing loss against somebody. So, <laughs> uh, all right, up next, Vikings-Packers. This is an interesting one. Minnesota's one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. They're coming off of a big win against San Francisco Monday night. The Packers have been bad after a 2-0 start, have been bad, bad, especially coming off the bye last week. Really disappointing game for them. The question is, is like, are the Packers as bad as they've looked the last couple of weeks? Or are they going to be a team that figures out a way to kind of right the ship? Right. Because if you were to say Packers or Rams, which team is better? There's only a half game difference between the two. Right. But 
the Rams, I think most people would say, are a much better football team because we've seen them be more competitive. We've seen them look good. We've seen them win some games they weren't supposed to win. The Packers have just looked really, really bad since week two. I, I still feel like the Packers are a better team than what we've seen. And I feel like last week, Aaron Jones, everyone's a little bit rusty. One and a half point underdog in Lambeau. I like the Packers this week. I'm giving me the Packers plus one and a half. I think the Packers find a way to win this game. I think Minnesota coming off of a big, big time primetime game, which is historically when Kirk Cousins has shit the bed the most. Also, by the way, today's the eight year anniversary of the you like that game. Saw that on uh, on Twitter hmm. or X or whatever earlier today. Um, but yeah, I, I I like Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love is going to have a big... I like Jordan Love in this game more than I like Kirk Cousins coming off of a big-time win. And I know the momentum is with the Vikings, and they could keep riding that, but it's a short week for them. The Packers are playing really bad football. At some point, they're going to have to kind of bounce out of it. Give me the Packers plus one and a half. Yeah, and the Packers are playing banged up even as rusty... You said Aaron Jones is rusty. Uh, he's playing hurt still. Uh, that came out this week that he was playing with a a hurt, excuse me, hamstring and um, and and played ahead of when he should have come back, which is proof positive of how much this team needs him in the lineup. And in the same game, Christian Watson comes back and gets injured. So, like, I, I don't know, like, what this offense looks like. It doesn't look great, and. I think the Vikings coming off a big win, they figured a lot of stuff out on offense, a lot. And I know they had one big play to end the half there, and they only ended up with 22 points, but they figured out a lot of stuff. That offensive line was pulling guys to open up holes for Alexander Madison like we haven't seen all year. Jordan Addison is is making a name for himself with Justin Jefferson out, and when he comes back in a couple of weeks uh, and this team is like 4-4, four and four, don't be shocked. Um, so I'm going to take the Vikings. Vikings, I think they're on a roll. They're ten and two against the spread since twenty twenty is Um, I think it's a close game. Classic Vikings here, uh, pretty handily, at least by a field goal. Um, in uh, in Lambeau, especially you know they come off that prime time game, get a big win. And they're going into a, a, a rivalry game, an a, a NFC North rivalry game against the Packers. I think the Vikings are, are, are going to be ready to go uh, for that one. So I'll take them. All right. Uh, up next Falcons Titans. The Falcons are two and a half point favorite on the road. We're going to see the first of Will Levis. Will Levis slated to start this game. Apparently we're also going to see a little bit of Malik Willis. This feels like on paper. It's like, everyone's going to take the Falcons here. All the public money's on the Falcons. Is this going to be that annoying fucking game that Mike Vrabel ends up finding a way to win with two quarterbacks, two QB system? It is. I don't think it is. I think the Falcons are legitimately good. I think their defense is legitimately good, and that's going to be the biggest thing. I think the Titans are going to have a real problem moving the ball against the Falcons. Uh, I also think defensively the Titans – Losing their best player defensively, or at least one of their two best players defensively, and Kevin Byard. They still have Jeffrey Simmons there, but the Falcons' offensive line's been good. Uh, hopefully, should be getting Bijan back in this game as well. He should be seeing a bigger workload. And Desmond How weird Ritter, was that? <laughs> apparently, he had a migraine. That was the report, but now, now he's also still a little banged up. So I don't know Take exactly. Take some smelling what the salts and get over it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly what it was, but no Bijan Robinson in this game. Um, 
or in, in, in last week, he played like four snaps or something. Like it was a very low number of snaps that he ended up playing. Uh, but yeah, I look at this Falcons team. I like him. Desmond Ritter hasn't been great. Obviously, but I also don't think he's been quite as bad. Den Orlovsky did a bit of a breakdown on that on part of my take this week that I thought was really interesting. Um, talking about Desmond Ritter and, and not being as bad as people thought. He's been able to get slightly better each week, right? He's only start he started three games last year. This he started seven this year, so he still hasn't played a full season's worth of games yet. It's a little bit reminiscent of like the Jalen Hurts situation from uh the end of 2020 into the 2021 season where Jalen played the last three games for the Eagles and then started off and the Eagles were kind of struggling a little bit, but they were around a 500 team with a solid defense. This Falcons team, I think is in a very similar spot. I like the Falcons here. I think this is a big win. They win this. They're five and three and they're in control of the NFC South. I like the Falcons minus two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good team. Right. And I, and I think especially when you get Bijan more involved, that team becomes even better. And week in and week out, we've said, can Desmond avoid the big play? Um, I would say if Kevin Byard is in this game, that 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 would be a bit of a game changer uh, for the secondary for the Titans. But in the long run, he's not there anymore. He got traded to the Eagles. So uh, I think you're right. I think the uh, I hate doing this because this is classic, like like obvious pick them territory. Two and a half for the Titans at home is dogs like this. This screams. Uh, Titans are going to cover this with a, a last second field goal. Um, and I, I don't know. Uh, I'm on the fence, man, but I'm going to go. Uh, yeah, gut says Falcons. Uh, so I'm going to agree yeah, with you. I'll go Falcons with, here. with Ryan Tannehill, maybe. Because I, I yeah, think the line right, would yeah. probably be like minus one, Atlanta minus one and a half, or maybe even like a, a pick em. Um, but with with Will Levis making his first career start and knowing Malik Willis is going to play in this game, who has struggled when he's been in in, in the and when he's played an NFL game so far in his career, I think you have to take Atlanta because that defense is legit and they're going up against a rookie quarterback making his first NFL start and a platoon system where we're going to see some Malik Willis in there as well. It still feels like Vrabel might find a way to MacGyver a win out of that because again, that's just what they do. But I think Atlanta is the play there. This is just the third time since 2020 that the Falcons have been favorites on the road. Doesn't happen often. Yeah. Doesn't happen often. <laughs> Once a year. All right. Which ought uh, to tell you something. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, all right. Speaking of pickums, we have a pickum this week. Saints, Colts. Uh, who do you like, Scotty? Saints or Colts? I like the Colts. Um, I do. Uh, the, what Gardner Minshew has been able to do with that offense, they looked really good last week against a really good defense. And and the the only reason, like Miles Garrett single handedly went out and won that game for for Cleveland last week. He did. Um, but that offense can move the ball with Gardner Minshew. Uh those guys are getting like really in sync. Josh Downs is good. Michael Pittman's playing better than I thought he would this year. You got two really good running backs. Jonathan Taylor's getting better every week that he plays. Um and that defense can stop the run, which has been one of the, the Saints' M.O.s uh, over the past few weeks, getting Kamara more rushing touches, um, it, even though he's really been effective in, in the passing game. And I think you're going to see more of the same, right? Derek Carr, you say it week in and week out. All he can do is do the the dump down to, to Alvin Kamara for five yards every play because that's all he's got left in the tank with his shoulder. 
which I think might be getting better this week. But, you know, against a tough defense uh, in the Colts, I think it's going to be harder for them to move the ball than it has in the previous three that he's been injured. So uh, I'm going to take the Colts in a, in a pick them here at home. I think this is a bit of a letdown game for the Colts. I think even Gardner Minshew, like he's going to be a bit of a roller coaster. You're going to get a good game from him. You're going to get a bad. Even in a good game like we saw last week, he's still turning the ball over. What do you have, three picks and, and a fumble? Um, or, or two picks and two fumbles or something? He turned the ball over four times in that game, and they still almost won it. I don't think they're going to get another type of performance against another really good defense. And the Saints, I mean, they were they had no business getting back in that game last week, and yet where were they? They had a chance to go win that game. Um, I don't like this Saints team. I don't like Dennis Allen as a head coach. I love their defense. I don't like the offense at all um, outside of Chris Olave, who got pulled over this week and arrested for reckless driving and tried to pull a do you know who I am card by saying I played for the Saints. And yeah. the cop did not give a shit. And I what? think for the record, <laughs> I think that I do think Chris Olave is a good dude. Like, I'm not trying to say like this means he's some scumbag. Like, no, I, I, you know, it's he was a kid who was scared as hell. Police officer pulls him over, tries to arrest him, the reckless driving, all that stuff. He tried to play a card. It didn't work. Was it a dumb move? Yes. But I think right now the Saints offense is is just very mid, but their defense has been awesome. And the likelihood of getting back-to-back high-scoring games out of your backup quarterback, even with Shane Steichen calling plays and doing all that stuff, I still think is low. I think the Saints find a way to win this on a last-second field goal. I'm going to take New Orleans. I don't feel good about it, but it's a hold your nose and kind of kind of just take the Saints kind of game because um, I think their defense is that good, and I think the likelihood of Gardner Minshew having multiple really good games so far this season, which he's already had, and continuing that trend is not likely. So uh, if I'm wrong there, I'm wrong. I love Gardner, but that's also just kind of the way of the backup quarterback, and he might be the best backup quarterback in football. <laughs> He might be that like number 33 starter, like who's right on the edge. I'm sure there's some teams that would rather have him. You know, Atlanta would probably rather have Gardner Mitchell than Desmond Ritter right now. You know, there's plenty of teams with really, really good defenses that would probably rather have Gardner. But at the same time, I do think the Saints defense is really good. I think Dennis Allen's a really, really good defensive coach. I think the Saints find a way to win this one late. And we're going to look at the Saints and be like, how the fuck are the Saints four and four with this <laughs> roster? Uh, like all right. <laughs> Up next, another one o'clock game. Pats at Dolphins. I'm going to keep this one short. The Dolphins have a big bounce back week here. I I, I yeah. refuse to believe that this team is not going to be able to 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 put up points in back to back weeks. Nine and a half points is a lot. I understand that, but this offense is explosive. The Patriots. I know what they did against Buffalo last week. Buffalo, with all their injuries and how dysfunctional that offense has looked, is not even holding a candle to what the Dolphins can do offensively. And the Dolphins just went up against a really, really good defense in Philadelphia. They struggled. They're not going to make those mistakes two weeks in a row. Dolphins come out. I think they win this huge. I'm taking Miami minus nine and a half, and it's going to be my first lock of the week as well. Same, brother. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's so easy. Yeah. I like. There's no way that they come off of that game and, and don't get back to what they were used to because even, even in doubt, they were still able to Eagles were able to shut down Tyreek and and, um, and that's a good recipe so uh, I think that so uh, I think the Dolphins come out and like we're still going to be good and who's who's really bad against the run 
um, who's, who's not able to cover Tyree Kill with, and they're easy. So yeah, give me the give me the Dolphins real quick, and that's a lock too for me. All right, both in on the Dolphins for the locks. Uh, all right, up next the battle battle of the Meadowlands. Jets at the Giants, but it's a it's a home versus home game. They're both playing in their stadiums. The Jets are three point favorites in this game, which is a little surprising because the Giants have looked kind of frisky over the last couple of weeks. Um, still no word yet if we're going to see Daniel Jones in this game. Might be another Tyrod Taylor game, um, but if it is Tyrod Taylor. Or if it is Daniel Jones, I don't think either one of these teams is going to do particularly well against – or one of those quarterbacks is going to do well against the Jets' defense. So, Scotty, where are you leaning right now? Jets, Giants, the battle of the metal ends. I'm on the Jets. Um, I think part of what has fueled the uh, the Giants sort of being frisky, as you said, over the, the past couple of weeks is Saquon coming back, and he's getting 12 to 15 touches and close to 80 yards. Uh in, in every game that he's been back. I don't think he gets that opportunity really against this Jets defensive line. And for this, whatever success that the, uh, the Giants wide receivers and, and passing game can muster is going to be absolutely snuffed out by the Jets secondary. So I'm going to take the Jets minus three and lock that one in too. Ooh, back to back locks. I think this Giants defense has kind of woken up a little bit. Dexter Lawrence has played really, really well in the last two weeks. I think the Jets are going to struggle to move the ball. This 36 and a half is an absolute lock under for me. Super, super low. But I love, love the under in this game because I do not think either one of these teams scores points unless they get defensive touchdowns. And I'm okay with betting on the 36 and a half with the odds being the likelihood of them scoring a defensive touchdown are very low. That being said, I, I have a hard time thinking that this Jets offense is going to be able to move the ball against the or sorry the Giants offense is going to be able to move the ball against the Jets defense and I think the Jets have done a pretty good job of establishing the run you still have Garrett Wilson the best player in this game not on the line of scrimmage is Garrett Wilson for both it's just not even close the Jets have him kind of reminds me of that Penn State Ohio State game from last weekend with Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, I think the Jets cover the three. I think it's going to be a close game, though. I think it's going to be a close, ugly game, but I think the Jets find a way to get done. I have a hard time just seeing the Giants put together a couple of decent games in a row, even though they lost that game to the Bills. I don't think they win two in a row. They scored 14 points in the first half against the Commanders, and then with what was what was it, with like eight and a half minutes left in the second quarter, the Giants scored their second touchdown and then got completely shut out by commander's defense that has given up a lot of points this year. They're not going to be able to do that, whether it's Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor. I think the Jets come away with the win here. I like your lock. I'm not going to copy the lock, but I do like your lock there. All right. Up next, we got Thank three. You. That's a good one. We got three more one o'clock games left. Jags at Steelers. The Jags, two and a half point favorites. Against your Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steelers have been fun, man. It's not yours specifically, Scott. I just mean like the collective (laughs) your Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, The Jags have been really fun, man. They've they've put it together. They've won four in a row. 
they're now five and two on the season. The Steelers, two and a half point underdogs at home, coming off of a big win. The Steelers' defense is legit. That defensive line is not just TJ Watt anymore, man. That defensive line is really good across the board. This is going to be a really, really good test of this Jags offense. And the one thing I've noticed from this Jags offense, yes, they've won four in a row, but it's been pretty sloppy offensively. Like there's been games where it feels like they should, you know, who, who are they playing? Uh, was it Indianapolis or Houston? Some of them were playing recently, but they had a big lead and just slowly they started kind of trimming back into the game a little bit. You're like, can you just put this team to bed? Um, Trevor Lawrence has played well, but he's turned the ball over a little bit. I like Jacksonville. I do think they're going to be a really good playoff team, but if you're going to, t- if you're going to tell me Pittsburgh is a two and a half point underdog at home with the best defense they've had in a couple of years, in Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin, I, I feel like the offense now with Deontay Johnson being back is a little bit better. I'm taking the Steelers as the home dog. I know it's not a lot of points. I'm basically saying I think the Steelers are going to win this game. But the and, and the last time the Steelers were a home dog was week one when they got shelled by the fucking Niners. And I said then, Steelers home dog, take Mike Tomlin. I don't think I'm going to be wrong two times in a row and the numbers don't bear it out that I will be wrong two times in a row. So give me the Steelers plus two and a half at home against Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, no, that makes sense. Defensive lines playing electric right now for the, uh, for the Steelers. Um, that interception by TJ Watt, he looked like an absolute DB back there last week. That was so incredible. incredible. Uh, and, and, and so you're right. It's not just that, that it's TJ Watt on the D line anymore. Um, but I think like it, it's, it, it's going to be hard for, for Pittsburgh's offense to move. Um, I also think that for the most part that, um, it's, it's going to be harder for Jacksonville to run the ball than it usually is. And that's why we've seen the success of their offense, but I have a feeling that this is going to be a big Calvin Ridley game. Steelers are going to be playing from behind, trying to get Deontay Johnson and, and, uh, George Pickens involved late. With Kenny Pickett no making plays. No faith in your boy Joey Porter Jr. I love JPJ, man, uh, and and he can go one on one with the best of them. But uh, Cal- Calvin Ridley is, I think, is gonna is due for a big game, um, which I don't want because I'm playing Vito in fantasy this week and he's on Vito's team. Um, but I think this is this is one of those games where where he ends up lining up against Patrick Peterson and he cooks him like he's been all season long for. Uh, uh, for a big touchdown play um, here and there. I think Calvin Ridley is going to make the, be the difference maker with Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball better week, uh, week after week. Um, Even though the Steelers offensive line is playing really well lately, man, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to take the Jaguars. I'm not going to doubt myself. Jaguars minus two and a half. I think that's a good pick. I mean, like, look, if it wasn't Mike Tomlin and it wasn't the Steelers and it wasn't the whole mystique around them and being a home underdog and stuff, I just straight up, if you told me this, you know, Team X, Team Y, and all the stats and everything. I would pick the Jags. I would, but I just I can't bet against that two times in a row. All right, I, I can't be like I would regret it so much if I didn't keep rolling with the Mike Tomlin odds the way that I have. You know, I did it week one. It didn't work out. I think they're gonna be able to do it in week two yeah. or week week. You're a five hundred team. You're gonna go five hundred with them. <laughs> well, they're four and two right now, so they're a little bit above. No, I mean in, like in over the past few years. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, right now they have the same amount of losses as your Niners, so careful with the, the smack talk there. Yeah, no, no, I'm not talking smack. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, all right. Up next, 
One o'clock game, Texans at Panthers. Lock number three, put it in the fucking books. The Texans are going to demolish the Panthers in this game. Battle of the first two quarterbacks playing. The Panthers are just a bad football team. Ike Aquanu, I loved coming out of NC State. He's been bad. The Texans' defense is legit. They're frisky. They're fun. They're coming off of rest. D'Amico Ryan absolutely is putting in another layer into this team on the bye. I think they come out really strong, really fast. Both teams coming off of a bye here, actually. The Panthers didn't play last week either. C.J. Stroud's been awesome. The only thing that holds me back is like, all right, does C.J. Stroud have a week off and now he's kind of thrown out of rhythm a little bit? We don't know what he's going to be like after a bye. I think the Texans win this game comfortably. I, to me, this being a three-point spread against how this Panthers team that has been abysmal so far this year, this to me seems like easy money. I'm it's rolling. I'm rolling hard with this Texans team. This Texans team has been fun and frisky against every single team that they've played. They've won three. They've lost three. They're coming off of a bye. They're healthy. They're young. I love D'Amico Ryans. I think he's already a better head coach than Frank Reich. I think Bryce Young is going to have a really long day. Because even though they got off to that 14-0 lead uh, against Miami a couple weeks ago, after that, they were fucking – they were nothing for the rest of the game offensively. I mean, like Adam Thielen got some empty yards in the second half, but that was about it. I'm not saying the Texans are going to come out here and look like the Dolphins, but I also don't think the Texans are going to come out – and the Texans' defense is better than Miami's. So I don't think tech, the Texans are going to come out here and 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 drop down to a – you know, uh, a 14 nothing lead and have to come back for this. I like the Texans. I know Bryce Young needs to get his first one eventually. This seems like it could be a good spot to, to, to bet on it with. But Houston has proven to be the significantly better football team this season. Texans minus three on the road, second lock of the week, put it in. And if you asked me at the beginning of the season to, to bet on this game, I would be like not touching it because these are two teams that are going to be competing to lose. Yes. So that they could be at the at the front end of the draft. Well, the but, Panthers don't have their pick, so the Panthers are just. I don't even know where you're at, man. It's a depressing. Screen. That's a yeah. That's a depressing fan base to be right now. <laughs> but the Texans are playing for it, man. I I really think that they're involved and they're not just like settling for. Oh, okay, this is a team that's better than us. We're we're going to go out there and do our best, get a participation trophy, and end up with the with a top three draft pick. That's not what this this Texans team has been. And, and what D'Amico Ryans is doing, changing the culture there is in a swift order is unbelievable. Um, so kudos to them for that. I do think they win this game. I think it's going to be on a Kyrie Fairbairn field goal because it's going to be one of those that uh, look, Texans are, have been struggling running the ball. So it's going to be all on CJ Stroud to get the ball to Nico Collins and, and, and Tank Dell and those guys, uh, which are also the going up against weeks, the worst. They're going up against the worst run defense in the NFL, though. Right, and, so it could be a good Larry, game for the run game, and they but, have a healthy Larry Tunsil, which I think is a really important part of this. Yeah, if their run game's healthy, this is an absolute lock. Like, and don't even think about it. I'm just basing it off of what I've seen the past few weeks. It's been hard getting Damian Pierce the ball. True. Uh, effectively, it's been it's it's been really difficult for them to run the ball, and they've been asking a lot of C.J. Stroud, which to me, for a rookie quarterback, is who's played as uh, granted is above what he should um, at, at this level uh, he, he's capable of, but you know, at the end of the day, the, the it's, it's tough to win a game like that in, in the NFL. So I'm going to take, I'll take the Texans to win. I think you're right. I don't think the three's a lock necessarily. It's close, but I don't think it's a lock, um, but I will take the Texans. 
But you said it was going to be on a field goal, and it's minus three. So by that logic, you would take you you would push. You would take the Panthers plus three then by that logic. Uh, because unless it's a tie game and the field goal wins it, then you get logic. Any other any other (laughs) game? That is true. We we are a fan of that idea on the podcast here. All right, last one o'clock game: Eagles at Commanders. I wow one o'clock for the Eagles. It's I think one of only three they have this season. Um, it used to be every week. <laughs> I will be in attendance for this game. I'm very excited. I will be going to FedEx Field. Uh, a good friend of mine is a cheerleader for the Commanders, and uh, she's hooking me and my girlfriend up with tickets. So uh, we're getting some primo parking action. We're going to get some cool, hopefully, I, I believe she said she's going to get us some end zone tickets. Um, which should be really fun. Not I, not my personal favorite spot to watch a football game. Um, oh, I like I like to be a little bit higher up uh, just so I can see the whole field. Um, that being said, I've never been to an NFL game that low before, so I think it'd be really cool to be on the end zone. Uh, hopefully, we get some uh, some good action on our way. Hopefully, it's the Eagles, uh, and hopefully, we'll be uh, we'll be heading on to the field after the game to see our friend uh, Molly. Shout out Molly McCabe; she's fucking awesome. One of the uh, Commanders dancers and cheerleaders, so she's hooking us up. So excited for that part of it. We'll get some tailgates going. We'll, we're going to go out. We're going to have a great time. Super excited. I think this has to be Philly minus seven. I flirted with the idea of making this one of my locks of the week. I think after what happened the first time these two teams played a few weeks ago and how close that game was going into overtime, the Eagles not playing their best ball. I feel like the Eagles are in a position like sometimes you have a big win on a national stage. And it's like, all right, are they going to regress? Is it going to, are they going to have the hangover after a big win? And on sometimes it's adding momentum. And I think with the best teams, the top teams in the NFL, you get a big win on a Sunday night game or a Monday night game and the whole country's watching you. And it just rolls in to a, to the next game, right? Like you build momentum off of that. I think that win against Miami for the Eagles is a momentum win. I think this is a game where the Eagles are going to come out and they're all whites and they're going to look good. They're going to look fast. The defensive line right now is eating. The commander's offensive line has gotten worse since the last time these two teams played. The Eagles' defensive line has only gotten better since these two teams played. You're going to add in Kevin Byard, who's going to be playing immediately after the trade on Monday. We're going to get him in the lineup. Reed Blankenship's come back. The secondary is healthy. The linebacker room's fully healthy. The defensive line's fully healthy. The Eagles are healthy and healthy quick after what we thought could be the case in that Jets game. Part of my whole delusional like fan thing of that the Eagles were going to get fucked on this run. But even more than that, like this is a game that you cannot drop if you're the Eagles because you know this run is coming up. Uh, I believe the Eagles are one game away from their bye. So after this week, they get a bye. I think the Eagles come in. I think they dominate this game. I think this is a big, big time Philly win. And uh, I'm very excited to watch this game. I think the Eagles are going to look really, really good in this game. And, in fact, I talked myself into it. Third lock lock of the week. Eagles minus seven. The only time – and this is the big reason why. I've been to one Eagles game in FedEx Field. It was in the 2018-2019 season, the year when the Eagles were the defending Super Bowl champions. It was in like week 16 or week 17. 
Uh, my roommate, Andrew, got me tickets for my birthday, which is in December. So we went up in December and the Eagles won by, I think, like 30 points. And it was an absolute madhouse. The Eagles completely took over that stadium. Eagles fans completely took over that stadium. The Eagles owned it. The Eagles own that field. That is the Philadelphia Eagles stadium. It is not uh, Harris, Josh Harris's stadium. It is no longer Dan Snyder stadium. It was never Dan Snyder stadium. It was the fucking Philadelphia Eagles stadium. The Eagles have done disgusting and deplorable things to the Washington football franchise in that stadium over the years. And they're going to continue that trend on Sunday. I think they win big time. I think I'm going to be having a hell of a time watching the birds soar and watching Jalen Hurts put up a huge, huge day. I'm also predicting big, big DeAndre Swift game here. I think this is a – they go back because they've been kind of going through the air here. They haven't had one of those dominating run games that they had earlier in the season. They did last like year. I think this two is, or three, right? Yeah, <laughs> when they did – I think it was against Tampa Bay maybe or Minnesota, one of those two games where DeAndre Swift just went ape shit. It's a 175 game, yeah. I think we're going to see another big, big time. I think 100-plus yards prop bet for DeAndre Swift, over 100 Get yards him in the this end game. <laughs> I think he's going to do well. I think he's going to find the end zone a couple of times for either, Scotty. By the way, Scotty, quick question, because uh, I know that was fantasy-related. Who's in first place in our league right now? You are. Long season. Yeah, okay. We're good. All right, just, just – I mean, I, I just – I hadn't cool. looked at I hadn't, I hadn't in, looked at it yet. I hadn't looked at it yet. First, had to, you're in first. I'm in fifth. Uh, and there's like a hundred points or less than a hundred points separating us. So I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, I have the most points and I'm in first place. I mean, and my Jonathan Taylor draft pick not to do, we're going to do the thing where no one cares about fantasy, but I'm just going to say has paid off. I know it's only been like two games, but it's looking like that was a pretty smart move. It was a risk. It was a risk. Yeah, it was a risk. But right now I have an embarrassment of riches at the running back position. And last week when I didn't have I had like all my core wide receivers and best players on a bye, still find a way to push through. So fantasy's looking up. Eagles are looking up. Eagles cover this game big time. Where are you at on it, Scotty? Uh, how do you like the Kelly Greens, by the way? I wish they were those every home game. Oh, my God. The Kelly Greens. Get rid of the incredible. midnight green. Just, so here's so we've seen enough of it. So Vito and I had this debate at the end of last week's pod, but I'll ask you if you had to pick a gun to your head, Eagles, Kelly greens or the Phillies baby blue with the maroons, the maroon letters. It's a tough choice. I love those. So I I'll I'll tell you, I actually picked the the Phillies baby blues. Yeah. I think that was was what I would do. Game seven, the Phillies would have fucking won, but they didn't. Um, the, the the baby blue and the biggest difference because they're both perfect and incredible is I actually like the Kelly green better with white pants than the silver pants, but they go, they went with the silver pants. I think yeah. the white pants with the white socks with the green stripes on them looks cleaner than the silver. I understand the silver matches the Eagles wing. The on those old school yeah. Helmets. yeah. But I like, I like the white, I think the white's cleaner. And I also think the maroon and the baby blue combo together is magical. Yeah. So for sure, that's my, that's my two cents on anyway. I'm with you. And I'll I'll give you one better. Those uh, that the font that the Eagles had with the, with the Kelly greens that the font they had in the end zone. Perfect. I had a a set of bed sheets when I was a kid that had every NFL team on it. 
uh, from the the early '90s, and and that was the, God, you're old. the logo for the Eagles. So you're so uh, it, old. It was, oh my God, that's yeah, great. Randall Cunningham, get over it. Uh, listen, I think the uh, uh, best punting quarterback <laughs> in NFL history, by the way, I should say he has the got record. him for the. Uh, I almost got him for the readouts one year for the, uh, really? for the draft. Do you, Maybe do you I'll bring re- him in? Do you know that? This is why we would be great to have Vito here. Randall Cunningham has the record for the longest punt in NFL history. That's insane. Isn't that wild? 92 yards. <laughs> now, granted, a nice roll? <laughs> gr- well, granted, this is when they were playing at the vet, which was AstroTurf on top mm, of concrete. Mm-hmm. So the balance of the ball was a little bit more. <laughs> Than when you have a grass field. bit higher, a firm green. <laughs> this was a franchise quarterback, you know, <laughs> punt pick. What was it the the punt kick and pass or whatever? I mean, my God, Randall Cunningham might be the greatest of all time for that. He could throw the ball 70 yards. He could punt it another 70 yards. He could probably kick it another 70 yards. That dude was I a bet. monster. Yeah. Anyway, your pick for the Eagles skins. Sorry. Love Eagles the Kelly Eagles Greens. Commanders. Love the Kelly Greens. I think they come back this week. But uh, you said they've they've dominated Washington. That's in true Washington. in the uh, in, in Washington. Washington. That's true in the in the actual record, one and two against the spread uh, in the last three at Washington. So give me the Commanders to cover. I think you win the game. Right. Give me the Commanders to cover. All right, that's fair. That's fair. All right, afternoon games: Browns Seahawks. This is a fascinating game. A battle of two four and two teams. Deshaun Watson. Still banged up. Shoulder is not great. Uh, when he did try to play last week, he was fucking terrible, um, which I just – I'm sorry. Like, I have Browns fans in my life that I love and care about. I hope the Browns struggle and suffer for so long. For as, for as long as Deshaun Watson is a member of that organization, I hope the Browns continuously lose, and I hope Deshaun Watson continues to not play. Yep. Sorry about I, it. Like I just I I well, hey look PJ Walker cool I'll, I I can root for PJ Walker Jacoby Brissett I can get behind Jacoby Brissett how much do they wish they just paid him a couple extra million to let him sit around right I now instead say. of letting yeah. DTR and uh, and PJ Walker get out there um, Seahawks are four point favorites at home the Browns this historic defense coming off of giving up thirty eight points to a backup quarterback in the Indianapolis Colts this screams like it's going to be a big bounce back game for the Browns. But I'll tell you what, this Seahawks defense is fucking legit. I think this is the best defense that Seattle has had since the tail end of the Legion of Boom. Seattle's really nasty in the secondary. They're going up against a bat. I don't see how the Browns score points in this game with a backup quarterback. P.J. Walker has amazingly two wins as a uh, one coming into the game and then one as a starter so far for the Cleveland Browns. That trend does not continue. I think Seattle's going to be able to score just enough to to cover this spread. Um, I don't see the Browns unless they get a defensive touchdown scoring in this game offensively. I I think Seattle's defense really is that legit. They're obviously going to score points at some point. I don't think it's going to be a shutout, but I think it's going to be a struggle. I think Seattle has a better chance with their offense and the weapons that they have, especially after seeing what Shane Steichen did to them. That running game's been consistent. I think they've found a couple of weaknesses within this Browns defense. I like Seattle minus four here. I hate that you're right about this. I, I just like I don't see where where the Browns score. I don't see where Seattle scores. The un, the over under is at what now? Uh, 38. 40 and a half, 38 and a half. I would oh, I, I would wow. even hammer that. <laughs> 
Yeah, according to dra- gonna... ESPN's right now is at 38. So that's DraftKings, I believe. That's what I have up I would, in front of me. But I would even hammer that. This is going to be a low-scoring game in Seattle. Uh, weather's going to be nice, I think. But like uh, for Seattle's offense, it's going to be hard to run the ball. Uh, we saw how much the the 49ers struggled trying to throw the ball. Um, and granted, that was in bad weather conditions, but still their secondary is pretty elite. Um, and now they have three guys. Th- if you can pick one, and I think it's probably Tyler Lockett in this game that kind of gets loose, um, then maybe th- there's a shot of, of hitting that over if he gets loose for a big touchdown, which, which he's prone to do. For the Browns on offense, I don't know how you move the ball against this defense because Amari Cooper hasn't shown up. Elijah Moore hasn't shown up. Uh, they're not going to ask P.J. Walker to throw the ball a ton. Uh, and their running backs are banged up, too. Kareem Hunt's uh, been limited in practice. Uh, and and uh, Jerome Ford was, got hurt last week. So um, it's going to be tough sledding in this game to score points. And, and I'm going to take the better offense in this game, and it's going to be the Seattle Seahawks, unfortunately, um, uh, to cover the four. Yeah, I mean, again, like I, Kareem Hunt, came up the hero it's crazy to me that like the 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 browns gave up 38 points last week and the over under in this game is 38 i'm expecting a good bounce back performance from the browns defense here but at the same time i think i think this game's gonna re- re- look very similar to that seahawks Bengals game a couple weeks ago where seattle's gonna be able to move the ball a little bit and then the defense is gonna bow up in the in the red zone cause some issues um, but again, I just, I don't see PJ Walker scoring more than 10, maybe 13 points in this game. Who, okay. Who has more points, PJ Walker or Kenneth Walker? <laughs> uh, if you're talking about like passing touchdowns and stuff, like if that's no, included, I mean, like mo- more points posted, uh, probably Kenneth Walker. Cause it's more likely yeah. that, that Kenneth so Walker too. finds the end zone. Um, in the red zone, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Kenneth Walker has been really good this year. Also on my fantasy team. Um, all right. 425 Chiefs Broncos. The Chiefs, seven point favorites. Patrick Mahomes has never lost to the Denver Broncos ever, which is crazy. Um, and they killed the Broncos. Seven points seems really low. This feels like a what does Vegas know that I don't know. I'm going with Kansas City. I don't care if Vegas thinks they know something that we don't know. So far this season, when we've seen weird lines, Vegas has been wrong more often than they've been right. Kansas City is going to win this game. It feels like their offense has kind of clicked. They're getting another – they got a full week with McCall Hardman back, so at least there's one guaranteed wide receiver that Mahomes feels good with. And Rasheed Rice is has been a really fun player for them, man. He had another touchdown last week, and, of course, we know how good Travis Kelsey is. The offense should be fine for Kansas City, and defensively, the Chiefs are still a top five defense going up against Russell Wilson, who hasn't been awful. He's he's been about what he was last year, maybe a touch better, but it's not a huge difference. So I love Kansas City here. This would have been my third lock if I didn't talk myself into the Eagles. Weirdly enough, I kind of feel better about this. I kind of wish I picked this as my third lock, but I'm going to roll with my birds, showing confidence. I need a bounce back win as a Philly fan after this week, so. I'm going to roll with the Eagles. Uh, You sure do, bud. But the Chiefs, this being a seven-point spread to me is crazy. The the Chiefs should win this by at least two touchdowns. So I'm going to roll with Kansas City. Yeah, they're starting to figure it out, right? It's like – Feels like it. We had all these questions at the beginning of last year. 
Um, what can Mahomes do without Tyreek Hill? Um, oh, yeah, that's right. They're still really good, and they won the Super Bowl. And then this year, all these questions about, well, their their offense doesn't look very good, uh, but their defense is keeping them in games, and like they haven't looked spectacular, and all of this stuff is 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 the narrative. And all they do is win games. Like if you ask me for a power rankings right now, the Chiefs would be number one, and it's not even close. Um, Completely agree, by the way. And so, I like a touchdown against a team who you just covered ten and a half against two weeks ago on a Thursday night. Granted, you have to go two mile high. I'm I'm still taking that that three in the hook uh, of difference to to give the Chiefs the easy cover here. I think Mahomes is is going to be able to cook a little bit uh, again, and and they just keep getting better and better and better each week. And like it's the same thing that's won them two Super Bowls. Like they just find ways to do it. It might not look pretty, but they find ways to do it. And, and that's what I was saying last. Uh, two weeks ago, you know, when all of a sudden it was like everyone forget. Like now, the the national media was like two weeks behind me. Like the Chiefs' defense is fucking amazing, and yeah. we knew, we knew. Like it was just a matter of time until the offense started to click. And last week against, you know, the Chargers, it was like, oh, there's Mahomes in the four hundreds again, like four hundred yard passing yards again. Like it's crazy that we hadn't seen it in so long. But then when it happens, you also don't bat an eye because it's Mahomes and you know how freaking good that guy is. Well, it's not him and Kelsey. Like those guys are running routes that are not even designed. It's just like, yeah, he just uh, runs. Rashid go, McCole Hardman go, MVS go, um, and Travis Kelsey do something in the middle and we'll figure it out. Well, because Kelsey, it always, it happens. Kelsey sees the game. 11 times out of 10. (laughs) <laughs> Kelsey sees the game like a quarterback and he was a quarterback in high school and up until his first year in college. He sees the game like a quarterback. He comes up to the line of scrimmage. He diagnoses the defense and then he just runs to open space and him and Mahomes are just on the same page about it. He reads the defense. He finds a spot where he can sit in the zone because he, he can read the defense just as well as Mahomes does. And they're on the same page and Mahomes finds them and it's just going to happen. This Broncos defense is terrible. They've been terrible all year. Like, there's no reason. Also, 46 points. I feel like the over here is in play as well. But it would have to be, like, 90% Chiefs points. Because I just don't <laughs> like a 38-7 see... game. <laughs> yeah, that plus, like, the, not Broncos, even that. <laughs> the Broncos scoring, like, a garbage time touchdown. Like, yeah. that's that's really what's going to come down to. I think the Chiefs win this game. Um, but I think it's very one-sided. Seven points here seems super – like, it's crazy to me that the Bills are eight-and-a-half-point favorites against the Bucks. And the Chiefs are only a seven-point favorite against the Broncos. Yeah, especially this year when home field in the last couple of years, where home field advantage used to be like a two and a half to three-point swing on the spread, it's not that anymore. It's like a one and a half point swing on the spread. So I, this again, yeah. this feels like a what is Vegas? No, we don't know kind of thing. I'm trusting what I've seen, and this feels like it's Chiefs all day so far this year. We've gone up way big with our picks. By, especially, I know, speaking for myself at least, partially because I've just trusted my eyes and not talked myself into the weird spreads. This is a weird spread. Who's the team that's way better? The Chiefs. Why are they a seven-point favorite against one of the worst defenses in the NFL that is better suited to lose games, who is tra- going to be trading away players? It makes no sense. Chiefs minus seven. I kind of wish I had made this my third lock of the week. I'm kind of mad I didn't, but – it's all right. Go birds. Yeah, Go I'm looking. Birds. I'm looking at the other four, going like, "Oh shit, <laughs> maybe I should." Yeah, you but... need one more. You can still do it. We haven't started the next game yeah. yet. If you want to lock it in, no, lock it no, in. No, 
He's going to save no, it. All I right. Uh, Ravens at Cardinals. Baltimore is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite here. Baltimore coming off their clear best game of the season. Can they do it two weeks in a row is the question, right? We've we've seen with Munkin now as the offensive coordinator, it took a little bit. They had a huge offensive explosion against Detroit. Are they going to be like what I was saying with the Eagles, where they're going to let that win start to create momentum? We also, every single week this year, we've had one team that we consider to be a contender blow a team out. And then the following week, lay an egg. It's happened every single week. Is this going to happen again with the Ravens and the Cardinals? I don't think it is. I think the Cardinals had their big win. I think that's going to be their only big win of the season. They had their moment against Dallas. Thank you very much. But can the Ravens cover nine and a half here? Because based off the sample size we've seen, it's more likely that the Ravens win this game by a touchdown than it is for them to win by 10 plus points. I'm going to take Baltimore here. I don't feel good mm. about it. I really, really want to take Arizona, but I think Arizona had their moment. I think they had their big game, and I think Baltimore has I'm, – I'm hoping and I'm betting on that Baltimore has flipped that switch in their minds and that they're going to come out and they're going to win big in this game. So I'm taking Baltimore minus nine and a half on the road. Yeah, not a bad, uh, not a bad call, but every time that we've said – Hey, Kyle, or uh, ooh, Freudian slip. I'm gonna say Kyler Murray. Every time that uh, Lamar Jackson looks like he's playing back to MVP level, they they just they have a dud on offense. Just crazy because you look at last week's game and you go like Lamar Jackson's unstoppable. Zay Flowers is probably the best rookie receiver in this class. Although Jordan Addison's giving him a run for his money right now, um, and. Jordan like, Addison's had one good game. Can we nip that in the butt? Jordan Addison's had one good game. He's not okay, even close fine. to to Puka Nakua or any of the other rookie wide receivers. Not even close. True. Zay Flowers so Zay has Flowers been head and is, shoulders ahead of Jay, against uh, uh, Addison. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Sorry. He's been the best rookie receiver in the league. Um, but I think that <laughs> I think that they're gonna they're gonna find a way to lay an A. It's gonna be like Lamar looks electric passing the ball and running the ball last week. Let's hand the ball to Gus 25 times this week and see what we can do against a, a team that we know we're better than. And that's what I think ends up being the the Achilles heel of this game is that the, the, the Cardinals will be able to stay in it enough to cover the nine and a half. So I'm going to take them. Uh, I'm going to take the Cardinals to cover actually uh, the nine and a half. Um, I think the Ravens win this game, and I think you're right. It's 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 more of a touchdown than it is a, a ten point game, um, and people are gonna be questioning why we we all of a sudden put the the Ravens back up on this altar. Um, it's gonna it's gonna look a lot, I think, like the that Steelers game um, did a couple of weeks ago against the Ravens. So um, touchdown, uh, yes, nine and a half, no, uh, Cardinals cover, uh, but the Ravens win the game. Last four weeks, Arizona has lost by, let's see here, 19 points, 14 points, 17 points, and 10 points to the Niners, Pretty smart. Bengals, Stafford, uh, and the Rams, and the Seahawks. Remember, this is a Jonathan Gannon-led team, right? Jonathan Gannon's defense, Jonathan Gannon's defense against mediocre to bad quarterbacks is really good. They lost to Washington week one, 20 to 16. They were in that game. 
They lost to the Giants after having that huge lead against Daniel Jones, but they only lost by three there. They should have won that game. They played Dak Prescott. They beat the living doors off of Dak Prescott. Again, mediocre team, mediocre team, or mediocre quarterback, young quarterback, mediocre quarterback in Daniel Jones, mediocre quarterback in Dak Prescott. Right. Or even I'll, I'll, I shouldn't say mediocre. Above average, but closer to average. I, Dak Prescott's average. Exactly. <laughs> 83, 84. Exactly. Then the good teams slash good, good offenses and quarterbacks, they've only played really two like elite to just really, really good quarterbacks. And that was Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford. They played an elite offense in San Francisco with everybody healthy. And then they played Geno Smith, who's an above average quarterback. They're getting an above average quarterback, borderline elite quarterback in the Lamar Jackson. Whenever Jonathan Gannon has had to scheme against top 10 to 12 quarterbacks, he gets his ass whooped. I have a hard time believing this defense is going to hold up. Uh, and I think Josh Dobbs, he's made himself a lot of money. He's going to be a backup in the NFL for a long time now when he was close to being out of the league. But he's not rolling anymore. So give me the Ravens. Uh, oh, Bengals and <laughs> you can change. If you want to change, no, you can fine. change. I'll, no, I'll roll with it. You know what? We've I'll changed. I've changed all the time. If you want to change. No, no, it's fine. It's not until this pod- podcast is done recording that you can't change. So if you want to everything's change it, made up and the points don't matter. Cardinals. <laughs> I'm going to stick true. with it. That's true. We are the <laughs> whose line is it anyway of sports podcasts. Uh, <laughs> all right. Three more games. Bengals against your Niners. Fascinating game here. Niners are three-point favorites. Sam Darnold getting the start. Love the under in this game. Right now it's set at 43 and a half. How are you feeling, Scott? I'm feeling good. You called it at the beginning of the year. Um, and you said it at the top of this podcast. Sam, Sam Darnold, Darnold is going to win meaningful games for this football club. I think um, that was my direct quote, by the way. I don't I don't exactly remember what I said, but I think it was. I think I said he's going to win meaningful games. Was that or a playoff game? No, I you, thought it was meaningful. you doubled down. You said you first said meaningful games, and then you said, and I wouldn't be sh- surprised if he won you a playoff game. Yeah, um, I'll have to dive back and find that pot. I'll be curious what I said, but yeah. I think you're right. I think that is what I said. Yeah. Um, and that's what's going to happen this week. It's a touchdown. Plus, uh, Niners defense is going to come back. It's a get-right game for them. It's a get-right game for the offense. Sam Donald looked great in the preseason. Sam Donald clicks with these guys. Uh, he's, there's going to be a lot of Christian McCaffrey involved. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of Brandon Ayuk involved. Sam Sam Donald, it, 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 I think, is is this is his time to win us that game that you were talking about. I think it's a touchdown against a good defense. It's a get-right game at home. If this were in Cincinnati, I'd be going the other way and taking the the – what four and a half points that Cincinnati would probably be getting. Um, but this is a home game for the Niners get right against a good team and prove to the rest of the, the NFL that you are still at that elite level. Um, and I think they do. And I think it's by a touchdown. I expect and, the Niners def- No, go ahead. You can lock it in. Oh man. You've been rolling with the locks with your Niners. It's kind of backfired on you a little bit, but I respect it. I respect it. Ride or die, baby. Ride or die. Um, I like the Bengals here. I do. Coming off of a bye week, they're getting two weeks to prep. Zach Taylor, that offense, Joe Burrow. The biggest thing is Joe Burrow looks like Joe Burrow we are more familiar with the last two weeks before the bye, but now he he got a full bye week. 
this to me, this is the start of the set uh, of the Bengals run, right? I picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl this year. I actually picked this as the Super Bowl. I picked Cincinnati over San Francisco in the Super Bowl. This to me is like Joe Burrow, the start of the the championship DVD where you're getting this game and it's going to be a knockdown drag out against the San Francisco team with a backup quarterback, but this awesome defense coming off off of a loss. Joe Burrow's fully healthy. This to me is the start of their run. Their offense has not clicked this year, and I refuse to believe that all of a sudden Cincinnati's not a sick offense. Because even when Burrow started to get healthy, the offense still didn't look great. I believe this is when Cincinnati gets it together, bounces back hard. Because I'll tell you what, the defense, the defense is Super Bowl caliber. What they did in the last couple of games before their bye week was impressive. Cincinnati, that defense is legit. I full-heartedly believe it. The game against Seattle was really, really close. They showed up big time in the red zone before their bye week last week. The defense is real. They're going up against a backup quarterback, a guy who's played a lot of NFL snaps, but Sam Darnold has also shown us time after time why he's now a backup after being a top-five draft pick. I think this is the game where Cincinnati gets it right. They've seen what teams have done to San Francisco's defense the last couple of weeks. I fully expect them to come back with a new wrinkle here and there. But this is also part of what I was talking about in the beginning of the season, which like San Francisco is in a tough spot. They're kind of dealing with the Nick Saban thing where year after year, they're losing an offensive coordinator. They're losing a defensive coordinator. I feel like some of the like D'Amico Ryan's, like the share of the load that D'Amico Ryan's was holding up for that defense is starting to get exposed a little bit. Not a ton because there's so much talent on that defense that I think it overcomes a lot of things. But the Bengals are healthy. They're coming off a bye. Joe Burrow's fully healthy for the first time this season. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins is fully healthy. Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon has been super quiet this year. I think they find a way to get it, to get a little hyped up here. I think the Bengals win this game outright, so I'm going to take them with the points. I think it's going to be a really good game. If it's Brock Purdy and a fully healthy complement of wide receivers and weapons, I'm taking San Francisco. But I think the backup mixed with the injuries along, whether it's Debo, Christian McCaffrey not being full up with also how nasty this Bengals defense is. I mean, the, this, the Bengals are the only team in the last five years of Patrick Mahomes to shut down a Patrick Mahomes team. There's one team that shut down Travis Kelsey. One. And it's this Cincinnati Bengals team. If anyone's going to be able to do it, my cousin Lou, because I, I always forget his last name. I think I'm just going to start calling him Cousin Lou. Amarolo. What is it? Amarono. Anarumo. <laughs> Rolos, the candy. Is that his last name? I don't know. Is he the heir to the Rolos Candy Company? I don't know. I'm calling him Cousin Lou moving forward because he, 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 he seems like a Cousin Lou. Cousin Lou in this defense for Cincinnati is fucking legit. And they're going to come out, and I think they're going to lay down the pipe. I think it's going to be an awesome game. I'm calling it now. I think this is the game of the week. I think it's a fucking awesome game, even with Sam Darnold there. I think the Bengals found a way to get on the top, so I'm taking them plus three. Sunday night football, a giant bowl of who gives a fuck. Bears at Chargers. Um, I can't believe that the Chargers and Bears have the same amount of wins. The Chargers are just way too talented. That's incredible. Yeah. To have the same number of wins as the Bears, but yet here we are. 
Um, this is if the Bears win this and Tyson Bagent wins his second game, the Bears are not only like, all right, done with Justin Fields at this point, because Vito and I had a whole long conversation on Tuesday about the 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 Justin Fields element of all of this. His you know, favorite and, quarterback in that draft. <laughs> it was. And he and I referenced that. Like I referenced that with him. You gotta start listening to the podcast when you're not on it too. I need you coming in sharp, Scotty. Um you always do. I'm just busting your balls. But uh, you know, I, I think seriously, I think Chicago can learn something here. If you see back-to-back games like that with Tyson Bajant and he comes out two and oh, then it's the mental side for Justin Fields. And that's the part of it that I I said coming out of out of the draft that Justin Fields just didn't have. And you could see it on film that he just wasn't there. And it was so easy to throw to wide open Garrett Wilson, Chris Alave over and over again. And and freshman at the time, Marvin Harrison Jr., that it didn't matter. I don't think that's going to happen against this Chargers team. The Chargers are eight and a half point favorites. The biggest question is, do I trust the Chargers to hold on to a nine and a half point lead? Or eight and a half point lead? Can they they win a game by nine points? I have no fucking clue. Justin Herbert has just been bad. Like, he's made unbelievable plays. He always does. He's an incredibly talented guy. But I'm holding true to my stance that he is Kirk Cousin and Dak Prescott, but just more talented. He's missed so many wide open throws. I still can't get that overthrow to Keenan Allen on the wheel route against Kansas City in the first half. Wide open throw. Had the dude on a 20. It was a 20 yard. They're in the red zone. 20 yard pass. Overthrew him by five yards on a wheel route. You cannot do that, especially to Keenan Allen, who's wide open and catches everything. Yeah, I I know. I, I, I can't pick the Chargers minus eight and a half, but I fucking have to because i don't believe that the bears and tyson bajan are going to go back to back with these wins i can't take the bears plus eight and a half i don't believe in the bears enough to do that you know last week last week the bears in that game tyson bajan they're playing a raiders team that is just dog shit terrible the chargers are way better than the raiders i have to believe at least from a talent standpoint I'm going to take the Chargers. I'm going to hold my nose and grit my teeth and and look the other way, and I'm going to take the Chargers. But I have to take the Chargers. And if you can talk me out of it, please do. But I don't think there's a case to be made that the Bears are going to cover. There's really not. Because as terrible as that game went for the Chargers, Justin Herbert found Gerald Everett. He found... Quentin Johnston. He found Keenan Allen, although sometimes he didn't, which was, which was annoying. Uh, but I think there's there's something to be said for that talent, right, on both sides of the ball. And uh, like you're right, I think that that flash in the pan, like although I shouldn't say that with <laughs> as a guy who who watched Brock Purdy play um, in his first NFL game, I was like that flash in the pan from this unknown rookie quarterback. <laughs> Uh, who's unproven, who comes in and wins an NFL game, well, he might just uh, end up ripping off nine straight wins or, or something ridiculous like that, or 13 or whatever it was for for uh, for Purdy. But I don't think that that, uh, that uh, Badgent is that dude. I don't. And, I, and this Bears team is, like, really, like, it's, it's bad. Like, I, I think Keenan Allen's going to cook in this game. I think... Justin Herbert's going to be able say, to throw for 300-plus for the first time this year. I, I want to say, I want to give a ton of, and I know I did it on, on Tuesday's pod, so sure. I'm not trying to like beat a dead horse. 
I give a ton of respect for Tyson Bajan because he for approached sure. the game in a way that Justin Fields has never done. For sure. And that and was we part of our conversation. We dogged him on Friday's pod. We dogged him, man. We were like, yeah. no shot. <laughs> Absolutely. And look, he came out and played great. Yeah, he did exactly what was asked for him. He was, and Vito pointed this out too. And I had the same thought, the post game stuff with him in the locker room and getting the game ball and just saying like, thank you guys. I'm just humbled to be here. I want to do my job because ultimately you're one of 11 and you might be the highest paid position, but you're also one of 11 guys who's on that roster, right? Who's in that, on that team. You are one of 11 on the field at any given moment. And though it is the most important, you can do everything right as a quarterback, and it can be you can you can have a running play that's perfectly designed, but the backside right tackle messes up an assignment, misses his block, and it gets blown up. It could have been a touchdown, but one person messes their assignment, and it's not like that is why football is the ultimate team game. So I just want him. I want it on the record. Tyson Bajan, stoked for the kid. I hope he keeps playing great because it's a great story, and and he's been awesome. But again. I don't think it's realistic that's going to continue to, to to work up that way. Yeah, same, <laughs> same. Right. And, and again, it's it's the talent for the for the Chargers. That's it. For yeah, me. I think everyone has a big Agreed. game. All right, last up, Raiders at Lions. Lions eight point favorites on Monday Night Football. I feel like you and I don't even have to talk too much about this because this is the Lions all the way, right? Like the Lions coming off of an absolute ass whooping. Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell, like yeah, I mean, like if even if it was a if it was a close game, I'd be like, all right, let's dive into this. So maybe the Raiders have a weird Monday night game. The Raiders do that. No, the Lions are going to run a fucking train on the Raiders in this game. I this was and the other game why? I flirted with making a lock because I Me think too. they're going to be fucking awesome because it was on both sides of the ball. Like yes, uh, it, it was their defense that that didn't show up, which is what would keep them in games. And then that offense just like absolutely putrid. I go and trade for Jared Goff, and uh, and he's getting me uh, like one for ten with with fourteen yards in the first quarter. Like get out of here, thanks, Kenny. Um, but but yeah, I, I I don't think that stays the same because it was both sides of the ball. I flirted with with making this a lock too, but the Raiders are really good on Monday night. They just play weird games on Monday night, uh, yeah. and I think Devontae Adams getting more involved is going to help that out. Um, but but I think that that Detroit actually, uh, does exactly that and runs an absolute train. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a full blown blowout. Like I, I there's like I have like five locks this week: Dolphins, Eagles, Texans, Chiefs, and Lions. I feel really good about all five of those games. If I could swap one of them out, I would swap out the Dolphins for the Chiefs or the Eagles for the Chiefs. But I'll I'm tell you what with- you. Can- We'll mark it down. If you get all five, I'll give you all five. Okay, I'll take it. You mark it down, but like we'll, we'll mark it down. We'll you have to go in. five and zero oh in those five. But the three, the three, but the two. If if I go three and zero oh with the three that I officially picked, and the other two I get wrong, they don't get counted against me, right? No, 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 no. Okay, then yeah. So like You're my playing official, with house money. My, my official <laughs> picks are Dolphins, Eagles, Texans. But if the chart, if the Chiefs. And the Lions also cover, and I go five and zero. Oh, they get out of my record. Yes. Or do we want to do a side bet, and we go if I go five and zero, oh, I get some. We, we go somewhere else. We we get something else. You pay for my golf tomorrow. That could be arranged. Or you at least pay for 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 a round of beers. You pay for a couple rounds of oh, beers. Yeah. I got you there. All right, we'll figure something out. We're both <laughs> on the Lions minus eight. We vented. 
We celebrated a hole-in-one on a par four. I've still never seen a hole-in-one in person, so you're already ahead of me on that regard. I can't wait for that. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Scotty and I might be hitting the uh, – doing a little stick and rock tomorrow. Um, either way, great podcast. Picks are in. We're going to try to get three locks from Vito so we can keep up. He's done two in a row. If we can get three in a row from Vito, I feel like that's a win. Three weeks in a row getting his picks in. Um, <laughs> but big bounce back week. I feel really good about my picks this week, which is probably the ultimate kiss of death. But I feel good about it last week, bud. So, uh oh, (laughs) Thursday night football tonight. You guys will know the score here again. We I'm on the Bucks. Scotty's on the Bills, but we'll get all that sorted out. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the weather. Uh, I know in the D.C. area, it's dropping down to 30 degrees. I also think. Do we have daylight savings coming up? This is that this weekend or next? No, that's the U.K. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Ours is until November. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I got to say, by the way, because I don't know how many people listen this long in the podcast. So really, I, I don't care about throwing this in here. I, I reference part of my take all the time. I listen to all their episodes. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I think they're hilarious and brilliant at what they do. They've been doing the same gag for the six year, seven years. I've been listening to the podcast where they always tell people at the end of the podcast that this time of year that daylight savings is this weekend and it's always like three weeks ahead of time so they always trick people and they're like daylight savings this weekend make sure you guys remember to set your alarm clocks back and they do it <laughs> they do it but then they do it for like three weeks in a row and then everyone catches on so they did it this week and i was like wait a minute no it's not it's like can't be daylight savings yeah. yet it's it's but, UK daylight savings, but it's the same bit every year. And <laughs> That's if there's if there's one thing, and Scotty knows this, if there's one thing you can say about Jeff Gimple, it's that I appreciate and love commitment to a bit more than anyone else. So shout out to those guys; they're the best at what they do, and we're all trying to chase them. So uh, for Scotty and for Vito, who is in Detroit right now. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. We will be back recapping week eight in the NFL. One big, as we get on the way out here, we have one big time college football game this weekend. Who's your pick? Utah in Oregon. Who's winning the game, Scotty? Ducks fly high. Ducks fly high. I'm taking the Utes. Kyle Whittingham. That dude doesn't fucking lose. I love that guy. And, uh, And also, whenever we get some more information on the Jim Harbaugh situation, we'll throw that into a pod too so until then enjoy the weekend good luck to all your teams good luck to all your bets and we will talk to you guys next week and as always take it easy everybody